Podcast, can you hear me? Podcast, can you see me? Podcast, can you find me in the night? Podcast, can you near me? Let me take that line again. Ben, <laughs> cut that in. <laughs> are we done? Nope. I think we, I think we got it. <laughs> Podcast, are you near me? <laughs> Podcast, can you hear me? Podcast, can you help me not do bits? I had to. That, that was, was good. That was good. That was good. The addiction's a little off. Yeah. Barbara does it. Do you want to try? Do, not, I, by all means, give it a go. I would need the lyric sheet. And I would, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to text it to you. Jesus Christ. Okay. Because um, the last time you were on, yeah. let's remember the podcast started with you and I singing together. What were you singing? Oh, yeah, that's right. Pod. I went high, you went low. Pod. Oh, yes, of course. Because the thing about about Barbara Jones Streisand is Uh the way the diction is key to her vocal performance. Jordan, I concede to you that I am not as good (laughs) at singing as Barbara Streisand. I take this note. I don't push back on it. No. I'm I'm certainly missing the diction. I would say I'm missing every other aspect oh, of what makes her a good singer. No, no, you've got you've got the heart though. That's the thing. Oh uh, sure. Okay, I'm texting you this. All right. I want to hear your take. I turned my phone off. Um, oh, Jordan. All right, here we go. Okay. So, um, obviously, she's singing to her father. Of Papa. course. <clears throat> the great beyond. Papa, can you hear me? Papa, can pa- or in your case. Podcast. Yeah, let's take it again from the beginning. Remember, podcast. Podcast. Can you hear me? Podcast. Can you see me? Podcast. Can you find me in the night? I mean, I am hearing the difference here. Yeah, it's a rounder. Podcast. You near me? Mm-hmm. Podcast. Can you hear me? Podcast. Can you help me not be slowing down and then fried? Sure. And then the swirl. I mean, yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a good score. Michel Legrand. That's right. Alan and uh, Marilyn Bergman. Yeah. Forget about them. Can I, I just want to say right Alan off. Alan and Marilyn on the lyrics. Michelle on the sure. piano. We. Right off the top, here's the thought I had constantly while watching this movie. <laughs> this thing's a fucking miracle. This is a movie where every single second of it, you're like, this should be collapsing. This shouldn't work. This shouldn't <laughs> Everything work. about this movie shouldn't work. <laughs> And I'm just like, anyone who has any cynicism or criticism about this movie, I'm just like, say whatever the fuck you want. This should not work one iota. No. We've seen the version of this movie that doesn't work in one sense. Knobs. Knobs. Knobs is them being like, well, Yentl worked. That's not the only example of it, but it's, it's a not. perfect example. I think example. it's the most perfect example yes. of a yeah. an aspect of this film not working. And then there's the other aspect of this film of... It's a musical where one person sings, and half the time it's just in her head. Yes. Half the time. I think 100% of the time. She once in a while will sing with her mouth, and you're almost kind of like, maybe you shouldn't. There there are 10 different overriding elements to this movie that shouldn't work. Where, like, if you pitch me that, I'm a a guy behind a big desk with a slinky going, okay. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, and she, uh, she, she'll be the only one singing. I'm like. Well, that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, like, you know, like, I, right. I would, I would mix She's it. starring, producing, co-writing, directing. She's 40. Has yeah. she directed a movie before? No. no. The character in the book is 16. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, she's, she's uh, got a baby face. The <laughs> studio that was going to make this just got bankrupted by Heaven's Gate. A movie this is kind of similar to in certain ways on paper in terms of what the cost of it is going to and, be. And this sort of 
uh, I say this kindly, the vanity elements. Yes, yeah, all yeah, of it. Yeah, right, right, You're right. just like, any one of these things shouldn't work. And the fact that she's holding all of them simultaneously, uh, yeah, and Nobbs is a great, uh, you know, three decades later, how hard can it be? Right. Let's just try to pull another Yentl. But the the movie, though, yes. obviously, there's, a, you know, Barbara's got a, you know, I don't want to say kitsch value, but like a, yes. we, we, people flock to her and, and celebrate her even when she's not at her peak. Yeah. The movie rocks. Agreed. Yeah, this movie kicks ass. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean... David? I am I love Yentl. Yentl's okay, great. Well, say it. <laughs> Sing it loud. I love Yentl. Okay, I don't know. Rounder. Um, rounder. Rounder. Uh, I love Yentl. I yeah. agree with you, Griff, that... Um, Keeping your pants. Hold on. Yeah. I, wanna, sound like, I love Yentl so much I want to swim nude yeah. about it. It's starting to sound like every character in this movie. Yeah. This film, I let's just say right off the bat, goes... It's true. Yentl is like... This goes into the warhorse canon of every <laughs> single character that. who comes across Yentl is like, fuck, do I want to... Can't stop thinking about Yentl. <laughs> stop. Jesus. Please introduce our podcast. What were you, you... I want you to finish your point about how much you love Yentl. Can't remember what it was, but it, it was sort of along the warhorse lines of... Like, how can you not love Yentl? But no, go, no, introduce our podcast and then, you know, then we can speak without uh, fear. Oh, sure. Well, yes. We want to get past that threshold. Right. Uh, this is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, sometimes not even in directing, in being one of the greatest stars of the 20th century. Right. And are given a series of blank checks. For how much he had to fight for 20 years to get this movie made, it was ultimately a blank check. Yeah. Her guarantor is everything up until this point. Sure. Uh, this is a rare sort of first movie blank check. Uh, obviously, uh, Star is Born, we've already covered as part of this series, also functions as a guarantor, a movie that she basically goes directs. This is her first proper directing credit. Uh, I finished, I fucking derailed my own uh, spiel. Uh, series of blank checks uh, make whatever crazy yeah. cash and products they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Papa... It's a miniseries on the films of Barbara Streisand. Barbara. Barbara. I have to constantly remind myself not to do the Barbara. No, no way. She no cut way. that out. No way. She cut took it the out. A out. She took it out. Cleaner. W- w- are you considering um, her television specials as part of her I resume? Bought, I'll have you know, Jordan, I bought the box set and I've been working through them. Nice. There's she, now to print She box was set. actively no, involved in the production of I know. Uh, as of now, we're not planning to cover those in any okay. way. But have, I've been ha, watching have them. You, have you watched Color Me Barbara yet? Yes. Because she has, she sings to an anteater in that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> this is when TV was good. That's my main takeaway from watching these specials. More of this, less of everything the fucking else. Yeah. And she's the one where she's like a little five-year-old girl. Yes. That's the first one. They're, they're so <laughs> formally weird. Totally. And yeah. they're shot on that like one-inch videotape. Yeah, that's just I like. Love. Well, okay, that's fair. It's a, it's an aesthetic choice. I love the vibe of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, today we're talking about, and it, look, it means a lot when I say this. What I'm about to say lands with a lot of weight. Oh, here it comes the titular movie of this series. Go, and go on. <laughs> and and really why is that? Important distinction because this series on the films of Barbara Streisand is called Podcastle. Podcastle. That's the center of the ship where the stick in the middle. That's it's the mast. No, the oh, oh the podcast the podcast. There you go. That's funny, right? Yeah, that's funny. It's a good joke. It's a solid joke. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Should call a uh, friend of the show, a uh, 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 
a real mensch, <laughs> doing us a mitzvah. Sure. <laughs> uh, producer Ben Frisch. Yes. Filling in on the Hi, ones ben. and zeros today. Hey. hey and you brought a book. Please show Griffin. Yeah. Um, this is just a fabulous coffee table book. It stands, sits proudly on my coffee table um, every day. It's Barbara Streisand's My Passion for Design, um, which just includes, I mean, hundreds of pages of Tiffany lamps, um, American arts and crafts furniture, and her screening room, which actually does look It looks unbelievable. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, ben, uh, the dog, what, what, what is the publication date on that book? I was trying to find this out. Okay. I don't know if this is the original dog or the clone. You knew dog. the question I was going <laughs> to ask. Yes. Barbara, of course, famously had a dog that she loved. And when the dog was dying, she uh, pulled DNA so that she could clone the dog and yeah. never not have that dog. Yeah. yeah right. But we don't know if that's dog one or dog two. She should have painted a number on them like, it would be like dog, a rabbit. It would be dog one or dog prime, I think is what it would be. <laughs> uh, I, brought, I brought, I finally, uh, finally arrived my uh, giant. Yeah. That's the sound. This is not. No. This is not going to be juiced in post. No. This is the sound of me dropping my name as Barbara on my desk. It's yeah. a big boy. It's um, it's a hefty boy. I'm on page 440, give or take. Okay. And it's it's great. Yes. It's so good. Uh, JJ has has been able to pull from it, uh, tear through it pretty quickly and put it in the dossier. But yeah. admittedly, because of the time when we're recording this, synced up around the release of the book and the Barbara reevaluation, we have not been able to uh, read it uh, thoroughly ourselves. Uh, but I was saying I was going on a trip and I was annoyed that the book wasn't going to arrive until the day after my flight. Mm. And you said, Griffin, you would not be allowed to bring that on. Yeah, it's no, a deadly it's weapon. not one that you can yeah. you can you can't really read it in bed. It's or kind of a chest. Kindle only, in my opinion. My thought was it's the size of twelve Kindles. My, <laughs> More. Maybe. My thought was I could tape a handle to it and make it my carry on. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Just, right, right, this right, is right, my right. one. And then you sort of like um, put your clothes in between the pages, and <laughs> yes. then it's actually like basically a suitcase. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nine hundred seventy pages. Put a leather belt it's, around it's, it. It's not like just you know filled with indexes and appendices and photos. It's nine hundred and seventy damn pages. It's full pages. Yeah. Right. She's only yeah. eighty-one years old. She could have another 15, 20 years of life, and she's gonna I have to do so. an addendum. I, I, I hope, hope it'll be like when Ken Burns had to do a couple <laughs> more baseball episodes. I hope a year from now she puts out a second volume that's also nine hundred pages. It's just as long. Just, it's been a but busy year. But it's just year. her being like, I went to the coffee shop. <laughs> yes. I got an egg salad sandwich. Like, like you know, it gets a little more minute. I mean, the degree to which David, you're not. I mean, she actually a, talks about there's food a sequence a lot, right? in this yes. book where she wants rice pudding. Uh huh. But she doesn't want rice pudding with raisins, which She's I right. disagree with. This is, uh, uh, three, pin in the raisins. I have sure. a raisin Three story. chapters on this? Well, no, but there's a whole section about it. She dispatches Elliot Gould all across oh Manhattan because it's it's late. So Elliot Gould's running around Manhattan trying to find her a diner at one in the morning that will serve her rice pudding with no raisins. And he did it. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, that's Elliot Gould, you know, step sure. above and beyond. Yes. Um, do you have a comment on this before I want to say something about Jordan and Raisins? Yes. We've ta- I, I think I know where this is going. But we've talked, uh, I, I've talked a lot on the show about certain uh, sort of humiliation, domination, subjugation fetishes that I don't understand, that don't align with You're my psychology. you in. Yes. If Barbara Streisand yelled at me to go get her raisins at 3 o'clock in the morning, I would come immediately. <laughs> I'm not even right. saying she's my type, but I just, well, you just describe. I want to bleep that out, too. Um, keep it no, in and triple I get it. it. No, don't do that. Uh, keep it in, but don't triple it. Okay, quadruple um, it. If Barbara Streisand yelled at me to go get her raisins at three o'clock in the morning, I would try to Raisins. Uh, Jordan uh, and I have seen a lot of each other in the last few days because we were at the Iron Claw screening on Monday night. Uh-huh. 
And then we were at the Napoleon screening on Tuesday afternoon, a sort of rush of the end of the year, final movies trying to get under the wire for voters and stuff. And uh, he, both screenings, he was walking around with a Ziploc bag filled to the brim with raisins, quoting Jordan Hoffman now, the size of cockroaches. <laughs> this is what I end heard. quote. <laughs> this had already and hit my ears. Trying to make people take a raisin in, you know, maybe not aggressive fashion, but like he was pushing the raisin pretty saying, hard. I'm just saying they're imported. Uh, sure. They're from, I believe, Turkey. Uh-huh. They are so good. You, and I, I don't have them with me. You're because... flying raisins in from Turkey? <laughs> no, I bought them in the store. But they are, they're really, there's a special kind of plump, juicy, golden sultana. Okay. Which it sounds like a Marvel villain, but she's actually, uh, it's a type of raisin. It is. And larger. Pe- people type, are frequently, you always hear like, oh, I don't like it with raisins. I don't, you know, this anti-raisin sentiment has got raisins to Raisins rule. Yeah. 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 I, I don't like a raisin. So I went around Jesus. and everybody, like I get, there was one or two people who just flat out refused. I think uh-huh. Ehrlich, of course. Me and Ehrlich, you, yeah, he wouldn't. Ehrlich refused and Sims refused. So those two guys, I, I got problems. But everybody yeah, else that I gave one to. Yeah. Initially, we're like, sure, I'll take one of your raisins. And they're like, blown away. Oh, this is really good. Okay, propaganda. A couple people seem to like them. A lot of people are like, it's a raisin. You're, <laughs> like, you're telling me this is the Yentl of raisins and that everyone on on its face goes, not my kind of thing. This isn't going to work. They yeah. take a bite and they go, I'm one over. I'm I saw over. a lot of yeah. people eat the raisin and go like, basically yell at you. Yeah, Jordan, it's a raisin. Like, you know, it's just like they didn't dislike it, but they had maybe. Well, the I, don't know. I, see it, I see it a little differently. You know, I, th- I think where is it written that you could not give a raisin to somebody at a school? I mean, he's like the fucking Halloween house where the parents are like, don't. Don't be taking random shit out of a Ziploc bag. You know, you need wrapped candy. <laughs> Our guest today is Jordan Hoffman, King of the Raisins. <laughs> Jordan Hoffman, where do you work these days, Jordan? What's your actual title? I, I'm a, I write you have about a staff me. job now. Yeah, I'm a st- I've been on this show now. Company man. Five times. <gasps> Wait a second. This is the fifth time. This is your fifth Correct? time. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe you're right. Blue yeah. Steel. Finally out on Blu-ray now. Available on physical media Good for the phone. first time in a long time. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Melvin. Melvin. Yep. And Howard. Uh, uh, 2001, this. What's the other one I'm forgetting? Beowulf! <laughs> Beowulf. Where you were drinking mead. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. On, on so, Zoom. and what's funny is that, so I've been on this show now five times. Yeah. Um, the five movies that define your personality. Every <laughs> single time it's in a new space. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Every single time if it's I been can, in a new room. One was a look. room to the right, one was a room to the left. Yes. You one, did both studios at Audio Boom. And then, you did yeah. Ben's apartment. Blue Steel was in the nice studio at Audio Boom. Yeah. Melvin right. Howard was in the dog shit studio. Then, right. Where I deserve Beowulf to be, was Zoom. Honest. And then yes. and the last one was at Ben's apartment. Ben's and this apartment. one, so I just want to say to the listeners at home. Yeah. To the listeners. Oh, well, you know, both floors of Audio Boom too. He yeah, did the original audio boom floor, the second floor, and then they're both I said the good and the dog shit. Yeah, yeah they're not no, going to let me on the same floor twice. three different auto, audio boom studios. Because um, they moved from one floor to another. Yeah, God. We've been in a bunch of rooms over no, the years. No, that's what. Fifth, fifth location. And I'll say, uh, before, when we got here, yeah. David and I got here early, on time. And Ben got here on time. As we were waiting for Griffin. Okay. I was... I went to, the, minutes, like, went to the bathroom. Five. Not too bad. Five. And I want to say to the listeners at home, uh-huh. should you ever be a guest on Blank Check, the podcast? And, and don't encourage them too much. Well, I'm just saying, should in some sure. you know, alternate reality, you wind up coming to the office. Uh-huh. The Czech Republic is what we call it. <laughs> we do. Should it ever happen, and if you needed to use what the British call the WC, right, uh-huh. David? The, British? the loo. Water the loo. Yes. Water closet. You should feel confident that you will never run out of bathroom tissue 
or toilet paper. There are, and I counted, 40 rolls of toilet paper a lot in, in that bathroom. I will say there was... 40 rolls! There have been some dramatic emotional conversation ongoing in the blank check text thread, and I broke through it with a knife by saying, by the way, I just bought $50 worth of toilet paper for the office. <laughs> You are the first record to come in here since the $50 restock of toilet paper. There was a Target deal. I took advantage. In the closets. Oh, there's more. You wouldn't believe how much Holy more. Holy crap. That Literally. was every roll I could fit in. So there's more than 40. Correct. There's probably 80. Yes. Or well, I've... if there's 80, there's now 79 after I've been in well, there. Hey, hey now. come on now. Hey, now. <laughs> so uh, to the listeners at home, you're, a, you're, raise a glass. You're holding up. He's your holding up a polar, polar seltzer. seltzer. Yeah. I want you to know that these two friends uh-huh. can have fiber from morning, noon, and night, and yeah. just deuce their lives away and not worry about having an unclean rear end. Uh-huh. This place is stuck. Thank you. Thank you. Well, all this clapping we're doing. New toilet seat, too. We replaced our toilet seat. It's like recently. the Lion King on Broadway. Because <laughs> a just guest like, broke it. So many applause lines. Every scene's an applause break. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, yeah. you uh, said yeah. that uh, not only is Yentl one of your favorite movies, your favorite movie of all time? No, I never it, said that. Okay, but it it's is... sort of a fundamental movie for you, I it's think. A, it's, a, yes. well, it's totally fundamental because of my age and you know, sure. my background. But, David, just real quick, you asked me before. Oh, okay. yeah, my background Please. is I'm from Poland and I, I you change sex and all right. this. No, 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 because um, you're, you're but, a um, Jewish suburban boy. Right. Yes. Um, uh, David, you mentioned earlier, uh, I am, I'm working at a new job. Yeah, sorry, right, I was trying yeah, to yeah, tee that up Yeah, it's this you. new website called... And then you decided to talk about our bathroom. Oh, yeah. For me. Uh, the new... Uh, <laughs> website called themessenger.com. Uh-huh. It's a new news outlet. It's new. Okay. It just new. started in the summer. So like not everybody knows about it, but it's great. Is is was the first news story they broke we exist? <laughs> well, I Breaking guess. news, we're an outlet now. I would imagine so. I mean, they had to let people know that yeah. they were around. Front page of the first Front- ever New York Times is New York Times created That's to right. tell Times of New York. And then they criticize themselves. Yeah. Uh, so it's a new, it's a nut place to go to read the news, and it's great. And I read it every day. I learn about what's happening in the, the world of, uh, you know, real news, like uh-huh. the, the wars and the Michigas like that. And sure. The president. There's a whole Michigas vertical there. And then they've got stuff like, uh, you know, the sports and the tech uh-huh. and, the, and all that kind you of thing. You write about the, the pictures. I write about movies. I review yeah. movies. I write articles. I interview people. And I think people at home, if you're looking, you know, if you're tired of uh, the New York Times, for example. Uh-huh. They cost up. There's no, you know, I pay. Messenger.com is free. Read free. The Messenger instead. Free. There you go. Now, I'm sorry if I if I misrepresented how uh, how beloved uh, Yentl is in your canon, but the thing you did say to us is that when you were a child, you would play Yentl. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah, there is that because that's a little weird, right? You play Correct. you play Star Wars in the back, and yes. you, you, you get like a stick and pretend it's a lightsaber, right? Um, well, you gotta say. So I grew I grew up in in New Jersey, uh-huh. this foreign land, sure, in the 80s, right? So this came out December '83, long time ago, galaxy so far far away. I yeah. would have mm-hmm. been. I would have just turned nine. Wow. So I'm an, I old, mean, I'm an old man. Return, Perf- Return of the Jedi has been in theaters for half the year when this comes out. It's probably right. been yes. just right. you know, the so, talk like, of the summer. We're done talking about sure. from Jabba the Hutt to Rabbi Nachman. It's right there, you know? I mean, we're thinking, will Babs <laughs> sing Yubnub during this yes. movie? We're not sure. Maybe. <laughs> will it get changed to Jedi Rocks 20 years later in a special edition? <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I, I am not a particular, yeah, my, my relationship with Judaism is a little odd in that I am not particularly, I don't come from a particularly religious family. Sure, it's cultural. That's cultural. You're yeah. the only my, cultural Jew who ever existed. My, yes. well, <laughs> a secular Jew, who would have thought? The listeners, you know, you got listeners, that people from Indiana yes. listening, they don't know from any I mean, of this. we're huge in the flyover states. No, I mean, seriously. So, they don't uh, like when we say that. My, my, uh, <laughs> just, for example, my grandfather is, was a, my mother's father was like a heavy Jew, but, uh-huh. but you know, didn't believe any of that stuff. Never went right. to temple. Yes. Didn't pray, uh, you know. But yet, when the holidays came, we did it. And, you know, why is another story. So when this movie came out, it was a really... And I went to Sun, uh, to school, uh, Hebrew school on uh-huh. Sundays. Right. Um, although I never had a bar mitzvah. Um, so it, but it was like a big deal because it was definitely like an inside baseball sure, movie. Sure, it's like this is a movie about Jewish people. That's, yeah. That's, you know. It was like we're going to hear there things are Jewish artists out there, but this is about like the shuttle and like, yeah, you know, yeah. Talmud and well, things. I, I, Fiddler on the Roof is, the movie comes oh. out in 70... 71. 71. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was already on VHS. And that right. was, the, so when grandma and grandpa and all the uncles and whatnot would come, we would watch Fiddler on the Roof. And finally, yeah. we had another movie to watch. Yeah, it's kind of so, like the second one. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, well, Dr. Zhivago also, but even though it's not Jewish, but that sure. was old Russia. At least, old country. So that, yeah. yeah. Right. So, be, right, um, this is where we come from. Yeah. Right. And it's another six or seven years until we meet Fivel. Yeah, Fivel's Fivel pop up. Fivel, old enough that I didn't see it first because okay. I was a, I was too old for that. Yeah, I mean, we all know too he cool. went west in 1991. That's <laughs> yeah. you know, that's when he did it. So, um, you know, there were like things that you would, you know, they're in 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 the movie Yentl, they they're uh-huh. studying, they do prayers, and they, they talk about the yes. Torah and the Talmud and all these things. So it was things that connected with us in kind of a private way. We were all sort of assimilated. I didn't grow up in an all Jewish neighbors, mm-hmm. assimilated Jews, but like this is our little secret for the cousins mm-hmm. and and the kids on the block that were Jewish. But on my block, it was only Jews and Italians, and everybody got along. But you know, we had our thing; they had their thing. So, um, you know, making it sound like the mob. <laughs> thing of ours. So uh, when it came out, yeah, it was a really, really big deal. Now, also, this is the eight, the, we are all sort of like secular New Jersey, mm-hmm. nice liberal Jews. All of our moms were whatever wave feminist that was. You uh-huh. know, second. Second wave feminist. They're, they, 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 you know, they're doing things there. They're, and of course, all the husbands were cool with that. You know, at least my dad was. Supported. Know. So the, uh, how, you're wondering, how did we play Yento? Like when For I sure. say, yes. well, if I were to say to you, we played Star Wars, you go, oh, you each grabbed the stick and one was Darth Vader and one right. was Luke Skywalker. Right. You got it instantly. Yeah. How would we play Yento? And it's really weird, um, but here's what <laughs> you don't say. Here's yeah. what I remember. I remember like somebody would have to play Papa, of course, and would have to be dead. Yeah, and sure. then somebody would have to like cry over the body, pretend and they couldn't hear anything. Yeah, pretend they couldn't hear. Yeah. Stick cotton in the air. Yeah. So there was that. And there was that little scene that we would do, and then there would be like the scene of like getting dressed for the wedding to the tomorrow night number. Yeah. These are, I mean, these are, uh, look, when you said you played Yentl as a child, yeah. I had a hard time picturing it. First, yeah. I was like, "Was there a black box theater in the in the backyard?" And <laughs> right. you were like no, coming we're, out, you know, all in costume. We're definitely in the backyard, and we're like kind of doing scenes. So we would. These are s- not the scenes I would have guessed you no, would but be this playing. Is what I'm right. remembering. The suit fitting for the wedding, <laughs> a little bit. Like we would be singing. Like it would be yeah, a little room in the car, crotch there. <laughs> There would be a little, well, tomorrow night's a good, tomorrow yes. night, tomorrow night, am I the bride or am I the groom? Sure. It's very, so there'd be like a lot of like, um, just like pretending you're wearing a suit or a dress and whatnot. 
The, yes, it was, in retrospect, a ridiculous thing for us to do. But yes. we, we also used to play a big game we used to play a lot. Was Do you remember the TV movie? Well, maybe you don't. The TV movie of Gilligan's Island when they get oh, off the island? Yes. What was that called? I don't fucking know. It's not called... No, because Return to Gilligan's Island is the opposite of what you're describing. go back to the island, it yeah. sounds like. We got Rescue from Gilligan's yes, Island. Yeah, that's the one. Yes. We played that a lot. That makes more sense. You guys sense. sound like you were bored as fuck. Jesus we Christ. We had no, we didn't have Go a, put a firecracker in a mailbox or something. This is, that's the Goyesha half of you saying that. We wouldn't do that. We would play Gilligan's Island and Yentl. What do you want from me? Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan's Island is one of those pieces of American yeah. pop culture yeah. that I know nothing about. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I never saw reruns. Wow. My parents never watched it. It's probably our best cultural export. When people talk about, like, the uniquely American art forms, and it's jazz, right? Sure. the, the comic books. Right, yeah. comic books, sure. Gilligan. <laughs> you know, who's is he our hero, Gilligan? Well, he's well, like the lovable doofus. Yeah. Okay. He's, um, what, how, what are some other Gilligan archetypes? I mean, What who, are the Gilligan archetypes? Uh, uh, Gilligan's got the hat? I think yeah. I've seen well, a picture of him with a hat. The skipper uh, wears a hat, too. Uh, Professor Marianne. Okay, but then who's the skipper? Millionaire and his wife. The well, the skipper, I'd argue the skipper's not the hero because he got him fucking stranded on this island. <laughs> but is the skipper no, like for... the coach uh, to, from for Cheers? Some... Like, is he the lovable older guy? Sort of. He's a lot more ornery because okay. he gets he gets worked up by Gilligan fumbling things. And then, right, like, I'm looking at the Gilligan's credits here. Gilligan's a fool. Well, and I, I see Jesus. Thurston Howell the third, and I'm like, I love him. But... I know that name, yes. and I literally know it because, like, even though there are several layers between me and Gilligan's Island, yeah, it made it's penetrated enough as like shorthand yeah. for rich. He's like guy. a monopoly man. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. You know, first of all, you assign Ginger call... is the cutie. Everyone likes Ginger. Well, she's the, no, no, no. She's no, the no, buxom no, no. Uh, Marilyn. She's Monroe. like she's like an Anne Margaret Marilyn Monroe style diva movie star sex pot. Yes. Okay, and the professor is also on the island who has a very beautiful daughter, but she's a little bit more demure. Marianne is Correct. the daughter. Okay, she professor looks very Marianne. Wait, the Marianne's the professor's daughter. Yes, the professor. Really? Yes, I never knew that. And they're on an island. Who's a mother? Is yes. anyone else on? I don't know. She's gone. Uh, hi, this is uh, Griffin recording uh, an audio pickup uh, on his phone uh, about a month or two after recording the Yentl episode. Uh, I have been informed by Alex Barron, who is editing this particular episode. That Marianne, in fact, is not the professor's daughter, and that I perhaps should record a correction, addendum, apologia, dog sitting for my sister, and now the dog is barking. She's upset as well by my grave error. I was going to get dragged on Maine if I didn't correct this on Mike. I know, Luna. I know, I know, I know. She's not his daughter. I get it. I get it, but it... To be fair, it was always the read I got from watching the show. I did not read it as a romantic, flirtatious relationship, which apparently most people did. To me, that feels crazy. I went to the Wikipedia. I saw, in fact, that Marianne is not his daughter, but just a small-town girl who won a contest to go on the cruise ship by herself. The three-hour tour, I should say, before I make another mistake. So Marianne is not related to the professor, although it also seems like they never consummated their relationship. Uh, to be fair, I feel like the universe is fucking with me now. I clearly would have bet any amount of money that I was right. This is now my Baron Steen Bears. This is the thing I'm convinced has been changed as a psyop or as evidence of the fact that we live in a simulation. Um so apologies. Uh, I'm so sorry for my mistake. 
I've had the privilege of talking to you for many years, and now it's my opportunity to step back and listen and also to tend to my sister's dog, Luna, who for the last 24 hours has been just chock full of diarrhea. It's been a really, really fun day. Who's on the island? Yeah. Gilligan the Skipper, no, millionaire and his wife. Lovey. I, 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 I hear you. Star, Lovey Professor Hell. and Marianne no, no, here on I hear you Gilligan's that they are, island. but do they ever meet other people on the island? Well, Headhunters. Head, no, Headhunters. <laughs> yes. They have to play against them. But well, Several why are times. they there and then they can't help them get off? Plane crashes or something and then they're able to escape, but they can't take them with them. Headhunters. So they would bring in guest stars by having it be like, ah, there's only room on they the boat for problem. us. It was right. like the lost problem where it was like, we can't just keep having six characters with no outside like interference. You need people in here to mix the pot up. And so people would show up and get off the island. Yeah. And it would always raise this question of like, how the fuck can they not get off the there island? There were also a lot of astronauts. Yes. Like they would land. Right. And then NASA would take them and away. And be like, Gilligan, my capsule's too small. Yeah. And Gilligan would try to all get them and he'd screw right. it up. And he'd say like, can't you just, when you get back to land, tell them yeah. we're here? It didn't work out. It right. never worked. There were robots sometimes. Yeah. What well, was I'm, the name of... I'm um, still... Very upset. You assigned culpability to the skipper for getting them on that island. I do. There was a storm. He didn't handle it very well. He didn't was, weather that storm. It was a small ship. The SS Minnow really was not equipped. I know, but I'm not saying Gilligan's not the hero of the show. It's his island. But I also <laughs> wouldn't say the skipper's the hero. No. No. There's, There's only no three tell, seasons of this fucking thing. Tell, um, yeah, but this is the thing. You used to make 40 episodes of a TV show and they would run for it, 50 uh, years. Right. It looks like they made it to 98. So I guess they were tell, long uh, seasons. Uh, right. real quick, tell, and tell, they made all these TV movies. Tell David about the headhunters. No, we're going to move on <laughs> from this. David. Yes. You like to treat yourself, uh, right? Absolutely. I feel like you're the one friend in our friend group, Blank Check Productions, that likes to treat yourself. Gotta do it. Here's some things I know about you. You love to get a pedicure and opt for the extra 10-minute foot massage with green tea-infused lotion. I mean, that's very specific, but sure. You refuse to make coffee at home because that fancy coffee shop is right downstairs, the one that serves everything on pure ivory. Uh, yeah, that's me. You opt for that I extra legroom seat on the plane because your vacation starts now. I, I do do that also because I'm I'm quite tall. Okay, well, that's a humble brag. You always buy double at a sale because it's actually like saving money. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I've ever done that. I got that's, you dead that's to right. Really I named four <laughs> things that you specifically do, none of which are prompts from ad copy. Never. Well, David, if you treat yourself to the top options with everything in life, why settle when finding a doctor? It is my Why health. is that when you settle? That's a good point. I, I should I should go for the best. Don't you want the extra legroom of medical care? Well, I just don't know where to look, so I just kind of you know wing it. Creak. Enter Zocdoc. Hello. Hello, I am Zocdoc. <laughs> uh, are you the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews? Yes, it is your health, after all. Uh, okay. Well, uh, here's some things I've heard about Zocdoc. You're David. Don't go settle. Go for the best. Find the right doctor for you. Come to me. You're a free app and website where I can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near me and instantly book appointments with them online. Got more options than you know. Uh, once you find a doctor you want, you can book them immediately. No waiting on hold with a receptionist. Oh, I hate it. They all have verified reviews from real actual patients. I love it. And you can filter for your insurance, for where they're located. 
and if they treat any condition you're searching for. Wait time typically to see a Dr. Brookton ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. That's it. And look, worst case Sometimes scenario, same day. you land in the middle there, you got a little Nolte Murphy on your Exactly. Head. You could even throw in another eight hour, 48 hours. Well, then we're going over. Well, I'm just saying if you're watching them, those films are actually about two hours. Oh, so maybe in a best case scenario, you watch two Walter Hill buddy cop films. 24 times. <laughs> Um, okay. Listen, listen. I've used Zocdoc. It's really easy to mm-hmm. use. You should too. Uh, go to zocdoc.com/slash/check and download the Zocdoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's z-o-c-d-o-c.com/slash/check. Zocdoc.com/slash/check. You said download by accident. Download it. You're getting z-pilled. You should download Zocdoc. Zai. I'm going to close my Wikipedia page for Gilligan Island. I had such a good Gilligan joke that I forgot now. Well, you Go forgot ahead. it, and maybe it comes back to you. But it's just one of those shows that like, yeah. Family Guy might do a joke about, and I'd Gilligan. be like, I don't really know what You're this You're lucky, means. because the Headhunters, which it's, uh, Griffin's it's too fucking getting doesn't want to talk about, it, is, is was it a very racist and offensive trope. Yeah, I bet you uh, wonder why I didn't want to talk about so it. So another cultural problem is in the sure. Palo settlement in like the turn of the 18th, 19th uh-huh. century, and if you were a woman, yes. oh, okay, okay. you're we're, not we're, allowed to read. We're onions. No. Okay, good. You're Thank not, God. Yeah. You're, not, you're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to pray. And yes. if you're a religious Jew, all you want to do is re- read and play. But right. as in the rest of most societies, there's a strict gender divide. Sit the men, in this corner, read your picture books. The men, yeah. the men do X and the women do Y. No time for serious thought. That's young, not for you. A young woman in the shtetl mm-hmm. named Yentl. Mm-hmm. Yentl. Um, Yentl. Whose father is a rabbi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's on the down low is teaching her about the Torah, which right. is like the big the big Let's instruction manual. Kind of a woke king. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Papa? Ultimate ally? Papa? Yeah, Papa. Yeah, Papa's totally woke. Yeah. So um, Yentl has in her a spark and a love of learning and yeah. knowledge, and she is resentful of the fact that she is uh, constricted by her gender mm-hmm. and can't do this. Now, the story of Yentl was written by the— Okay, right, yes. Rise of Griffith. Because there's a difference That's between right. the book and the movie. Right. In 1962— Nobel Prize winner. I mean, he wasn't yet, but yeah. he would be. Isaac Bashevi Singer mm-hmm. uh, publishes Yentl the Yeshiva Boy, which you have read. Yeah, it's a short story. Sure. That's Sing- what we talked Singer, by the time, by the way, he lived Five two pages. Two. <laughs> no, it's like it's 20 pages. Okay. Singer at the time uh, lived in the Bell Nord, um, which is like right across from Zabar's. Up West Side. He's, got, he's got a block named after yeah. him. I used to walk by it all the time. So he was literally eating white fish while he was typing the story. Sure, perfect. Right. Um, and the minute it's published, it's earmarked for a film. It's sent to Barbara Streisand in 1968. She's coming right off of Funny Girl. She had just finished Funny Girl, and she yeah. was like, next part, right here. Bang, yeah. bang. And what is said to her immediately? You are already too old, too yes. feminine, too famous, and also... This is a thing that comes up a lot in the development of this movie. You just did Funny Girl, won an Oscar. Sure. You should not play another, quote, ethnic, ethnic. role. The, that is the word she gets. Too ethnic, a.k.a. Right. You can't play two uh, Jews in a row, right. basically. Right, and it's wild because it's like, here's this undeniable, like, fucking first movie landing, blockbuster hit, right. Oscar winner, and everyone's like, well, you got away with it one time. <laughs> but let's start right. hiding the Judaism a little bit. Let's not put it front and center. But, and good luck trying that with Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Streisand is like, absolutely not. I'm, I want to do this. I won't be listening to you. She brings on Ivan Passer, uh-huh. Sherry and Ivan Passer, who had written The Fireman's Ball. Yeah. He's the, great. Uh, and he made some movies in America later. Right. And uh, he, uh, 
he also is like, you're too old. And yes. you're too famous. Right. He's, he's hitting her with At it as point, well. At this point, she's like 25 or 26. Right. And they're like, you can't play a 16-year-old. What, is right. she crazy? And she, she's like, yeah, you're right. I'll wait another 15 years. <laughs> yeah. um, she felt it was a universal story on the limits that are put upon a woman. Yeah. And that is why she wanted to make it. Uh, she was frightened to do it herself at this time, right? She could have been 69, maybe. Well, it's even more hard to imagine a studio giving her the money, I guess, even with her celebrity. Like, if she was to, like, well, I'll direct, direct it myself. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, it is one of the things that gives this movie its juice. I would argue it's the thing is, like, this is her Fitzcarraldo 20-year battle to get this movie yeah. uphill. Yeah, right. And the more she puts into trying to prove to people that she can make the movie and make the movie work, the more she's, like, living in the headspace of Yentl. Right. Being like, I have to push through this right. fucking system. The world right. says I can't, and I'm going right. to do it. Yeah. And what's interesting, uh, what, so one of the things, having just read the story, and I'll say the, there are two changes between the story and the movie. Okay. One is... They, they, uh, the movie takes a character out, very important character. I'm going to blow your minds. Avador marries somebody else in what? the story. Holy fucking. Who did you marry? <laughs> so, like, Fishmonger. You mean daughter. later? No, before like... he, before uh, Anshul marries um, Hadas, he goes and marries. Like, you remember the scene in the movie where he's like, I can't sleep at night. I yes. need a woman. So there's like a local woman and she's like a tanner's daughter. So she smells of like, you know, bloody skin. And and she's described as like kind of like gross and obese and not okay. fun. Oh. So come on, Isaac. Yeah. What do you want from me? So she um, in you. Uh, so uh, Ivador marries her okay. and it's immediately regrets it. So sure. that's like a whole other wing of the story that's just cut out. Okay. Probably Barbara cut it out because un unfair to, to women, right? It also so, just sort of sounds superfluous. I don't yeah, know that we yeah. need that. Unnecessary. Yeah. And then the other big change, which I really found interesting, and then as I was reading a little bit about Yentl today, 2023 online, mm -hmm. is that the, the story, in a way, was very um, prophetic in the way it treats gender, trans rights, mm -hmm. non-binary characters. I'm being 100% sincere. Like, it's pretty it's pretty damn modern. The The story concludes with Anshul slash Yantel actually says, I'm neither one nor the other, and embraces a trans lifestyle for good. Wow. Yeah. Where, and Barbara kills that. Barbara said, Barbara, well, I should say kill it. Barbara, Barbara altered it. Yeah. And said, that's not my story. My story is Yentl is, so Yentl truly becomes Anshul in the story. Interesting. And embraces a sort of a gender, non, gender fluid, non-binary, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then lives as Anshul forever. Um, Barbara's whole point of the movie, as you were saying, is I'm up against the system. There's sexism in the world. I want this to be a story about a woman overcoming these obstacles. And it's, and in her head, even though she's masquerading as Anshul, She's always Yentl inside, whereas in the story, Yentl truly becomes Anshul. So, but, but there is something okay. fascinatingly, like, deeply queer about this movie oh my in God. the way it examines everyone else's relationship with Yentl. It's well, not and, her and own her, internal yes, battle in the same true. way. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, the way Avador looks at her in the, right. in the water, and then the way that Avador looks at her after she reveals herself, yes. and the way that she looks at Hadas. Yes. She's hot for Hadas. Who right. couldn't be? Amy I, Irving? I, Are you, you kidding beat me? me too. <laughs> doesn't have a crush on Amy Irving in this movie. She's I hot mean. for Hadas, and then Hadass is hot for her. It's a him right. and it crushes her. this film. And then, but then. And like, everyone's sort of like fighting their own instincts of being like, this is weird that I feel this way. Right, right. Even even when Hadass thinks that 
Anshul is a man. She still feels she still feels weird because he's like kind of a, you know he's kind of a twerp, right? And and not uh, not uh, Mandy Patinkin, right. Abadur. So uh, Patinkin's getting furious about how badly he wants to fuck Anthel. <laughs> like that's a lot of this movie is. It's it's a lot of like gay re- gay panic, yeah. gay rejection. There's so much in there. So could you imagine if Barbara had maintained that sort of trans thing? You talk about a movie there were 700 things that shouldn't have worked. Yes. If you tried to pack that in there too in 1983, when trans visibility in in culture was very minimal. Oh my god, it would have just not. Well, it would have well, yes, been crazy. Yes, and I do think like the other movies like this, the other stories like this. Let's say right. Uh, any any movie that is hung up on someone sort of uh, uh, high concept, some like it hot, yeah, Mulan, Tootsie, Tootsie. Yeah. Uh, there was another one I was just thinking some of, some Shakespeare play. Uh, yeah, but where it's always sort of this like the ultimate reveal of it is kind of uh, comedic. Yeah, there's there's this Sturges does this a lot farcical element yes. of like what a yeah. silly misunderstanding yeah. versus like this movie is really digging into the the feelings of everybody. It's an emotional yeah. movie from yes. minute one. It has that tenor. I feel like right that you know it's got a slowness to it. Yeah, it's very like deliberate, and obviously yes. she sings in her head her feelings. Yes, which is what a, a slow and deliberate emotional film would do. Yeah, like a fat. You know, there's a movie where they're dancing around. Yeah. Right. Which would have like this more manic, uh, surreal musical energy. Well, just, this doesn't. No. You just imagine, you know, and there's nothing to support this in any of the uh, uh, research uh, that JJ pulled up. But I just find it impossible to imagine at no point does someone say to her, yeah, Barbara, good idea for a movie. Uh, set it in college present day. Or, you know, like, set it, like, find a different institution. If you want to make the thing about someone who wants to learn and the women are restricted at the time or whatever, like, don't make it Talmudic study. Don't make it this. Don't make it that. Like, you You could just... You think Talmudic study is sexy? Well, it's funny because that's the other thing is that Barbara, Barbara's a proud Jew, you know? I mean, she wanted to make this this movie like that. But, and and it's funny because... um, First of all, you know, we haven't actually given the log line of the movie. She wants to study. She's yes. not allowed because she's a woman. So she cuts off her hair. She assumes a male right. identity. As you said, her papa's sort of teaching her on the down low. And then once he passes he, he away, dies. she has no other avenue he for goes study. goes style. So right. she creates a persona, Yentl. Yeah. No, Anshul. Uh, I'm sorry. She, Yentl creates Anshul, the persona that will allow her to uh, uh, enter rabbinical study. And when she does, on the road, she meets a nice boy mm-hmm. named Avador, played by Mandy Patinkin, who is, uh, Ben, what did you refer to him as? A total smoke show. Yes. Wow. This yes. entire yeah. film. Yes. Oh, my He's unbelievable. God. Yeah. <laughs> Very handsome man. And always, always handsome, to be he's clear. He's supposed to be yes. enga- peak form. He's engaged yes. to the rich man's daughter, Hadas. Uh, played by Amy Irving, who's beautiful but not too uh, worldly, uh-huh. and he, he's forbidden to marry her because he has a brother who committed suicide. Blah blah blah. So um, what's the term they use that he has the dark eye on his soul? Something. Or? Yeah, there's some of this mumbo jumbo like old yeah. shtetl thing. Is like he's got the he's he's his family's cursed. Everyone's always worried about the dang evil eye in the <laughs> olden days. <laughs> so, no matter what the culture is, they're like that evil eye though, yeah. and I'm like, come on. So that's ha- so fun. Look at yeah. it. Stare into it. Hadass has got to marry someone, and sure. Avidor is so heartbroken, but he says. If someone must marry her, it must be my new best friend. It's basically Anshul like because he's, yes, he's my wingman, and I You're love basically him. My brother, and it also feels like this sort of implication is like 
that's maybe the way to have like some sort of odd three angled thing yeah. going on. And also like he, you know, Anshul's not too much of a threat. Yes. Like, you know, it's not, I mean, I don't want to get too. But no, but that's why know. I think cutting the, the, the previous wife is smart because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his avatar's uh, uh, response in this is like, I'm never going to love anyone ever again. The only right. consolation for me is my best friend marries her and we still hang out all the time. Yeah, and we get to, I get to know about, he does, he's like, what was the wedding one right. night like? I just want to be adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it all blows up in everybody's face. Uh, that's the end. That's so, how it always goes. These things it um, always has to end with the, but, but I lied to you. But ah, the, the, the thing I'm ab over it. about it, about, you know, it's Jewish, there is a lot of Jewish stuff in there. They're in this yeshiva study. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there are things in a setting that aren't necessarily at that are that aren't imbued with that uh, institution. Like I don't know what's a movie set anywhere. Like a movie about doctors, you know? right? So like you, there's like medical stuff in there. Like right. I don't know the Paper Chase is about but the, Harvard. Right. This movie is about Judaism. But it's, no, I'm saying this movie fucking is Judaism. Right. This movie is is got it in a on it, its molecules. Yes. I, I have I have a specific uh, thing that I want to point out. It's my favorite scene in 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 life. There's a moment, it's when, uh, so it's, it's, uh, Yentl as Anshul. We're just Barbara on the Streisand. Hoffman mind card at this point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, like, just, yeah. just hold on. Just hold get, on to your potatoes. Hold on to your potatoes. They're, uh, they've just met, they met, yeah. they were having soup and now they're getting on the, on the, on the cart and they're going to, to Beshev in Slovakia or whatever. And, um, Anshul and Avador are starting to to flirt, mm -hmm. but they're both men. Ooh. Yes. But they love each other. They sense, they they um, intellectually, they connect. There's fireworks. Right. And so they say, what do you want to do? We have time to kill on this card. What, 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 what would you do? Play cards, play backgammon, just talk about chicks? No. What um, one of them says, I think it's, Barbara says, um, would you, would you, um, um, would you uh, like to discuss a page of Talmud? Okay. This is the, this is her come on. It's yeah. Pick up line. The Talmud, sure. by the way, for those listening, the Torah is the main book of Judaism. That's right. like the instructions. Right. The Talmud is like the foot is 10,000 footnotes. And this is like all the special rules about how to be a good Jew. Yes. Um, and so one of the other schmoes in the car goes, oh, no, not that kind of the um, Austin Pendleton-like character. Uh -huh. goes, oh, no. it's not Austin Pendleton, but he goes, oh, it's no. Austin Pendleton. Yeah, he goes, oh, no, not the Talmud. And then so Avador goes, which page? Like, you know, he's getting really right, turned yeah. on okay. now. Okay. Mm -hmm. really, we're going to talk about the Talmud. We're gonna, and he goes... And and he says it what and she goes. It's Alan Corduner, by the way. Alan uh, Corduner, like, topsy turvy and such. It's yes, the, uh, the, the, the the sort of uh, squirrely glasses. Austin guy. Pendleton was busy; can make it. So 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 she goes, whatever you're reading, like whatever you're reading the Talmud, and he goes, this is my favorite. You, I'll state the premise. You dispute it. Yeah. So here's the deal: they're assuming that no matter what topic they pick up. I'll state the premise, you dispute it. They're going to find a way to argue. Yes. Arguing is the purpose. Yes. They're intentionally going into it with the object of disagreeing. Well, I think much in the same way that so much of the juice of this movie is Barbara's struggle to get it made matching with the character struggle one-to-one. -one. 
there is a similar juice to Mandy Patinkin, one of the most argumentative actors in history. <laughs> it's not just, right, it's not just the way he argues. It's, right, there's something in his eyes, in his posture. He's yes. ready to argue. Right. Yes, and that's his energy on screen. It's his energy in the process of working on things. At least until well, now he's become a TikTok he grandpa. He finally <laughs> seems to have chilled out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the last, like, five years does interviews where he's like, what the fuck was I on he, about? He is a little bit self-aware about it. It's true. It's just funny how he's now fully a TikTok grandpa. Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, no, he does seem to be finally somewhat self-aware about it. But uh, but yes, it's. I think th- there is obviously whatever physical attraction that he will never allow himself to fully kind of admit he feels for yeah. Yentl in that physical form. But that clearly does exist. The thing that is undeniable to him that he is wrestling with is the intellectual antagonism, the struggle, right? Yeah. Like, as we're saying, Amy Irving is also a smoke show in this movie. Sure. Yes, yeah. But like her whole thing is she has been trained to be this very like she serves soup. That's all she does. It's it's Yentl's interior monologue song mm. where she's like, look at what a perfect woman she is. She anticipates every need. She does everything perfectly. And like Patenkin, regardless of how she looks, how well she fits into the model of what a wife is supposed to be at that time, is always going to be more turned on by someone who gets to a fight about the Talmud. <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing. Like, she's yeah. speaking that love language, and he's like, well, this is what gets me on, yeah. is like, yeah. but th- pushing this, back and forth. But who would I marry in Yentl? That's a very tough question. There's so many eligible, like, there's so many wonderful, like... Oh, 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 okay. Your question is embarrassment of riches. Yeah, like... okay. It's like, oh, Patinkin, well, there's an appeal of that. He's so handsome. And, yeah. right, you would, many debates. And, right, it would be, the, and like, Amy Irving, she's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, Yentl, I don't know, Yentl, like you say, like, everyone, you're pretty magnetic in she's this film, right? You know, like, she's a firecracker. She's got star quality. Doesn't Maybe like I want Stephen Hill in my life. You know, he's got <laughs> those on order checks coming in. Yeah. Yeah, Papa, he seems like Papa? a good guy. Uh, we all know the crazy stat that Amy Irving is one of only three people in history to get nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same performance in the same year. That wow. Is, Was it for, for this movie? So Correct. rude. That's it is so rude. Now, the yeah. other two examples yeah. are uh, uh, Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy, which makes perfect That's sense. Sure. The yeah. Razzie's got that one right. Yeah, and the Oscar's, Oscar's got it wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but even if I agree with the Razzie's in that case, you're like, that is the kind of performance that makes sense registering on both scales. Sure, sure. With both memberships, Yeah, right? who, would dis- who would dislike her performance as Hadass? I don't get it. That's what I, think, I don't I think the get. Razzie's were just being mean. They the did Barbra like Streisand. They were yeah. sexist. sexist. The other one was James Coco for, what's the movie called? James yeah, we talked Coco. about it on this podcast, yes. right? Um... It's not called When I'm Laughing. It's only when I laugh. Only oh, when I, laugh. I remember that movie. I've never seen that movie. James yeah. Coco, I uh, enjoy tremendously, is a very large He's performer. A broad actor. Yeah. You broad could see guy. him being a little bit of a cilantro, right? Yes. Where you're just like, <laughs> yeah. some people are won over by this. Some people think it's a fucking ham sandwich. Oh, but yeah. I mean, Yentl also, you know, Barbara was nominated for a Razzie. Yes. And it was also nominated for Worst Musical Score, which is like it's insanely the fuck up. But yeah, this so is good. what I think about Yentl yes. is... I long knew it as something a little cringy. That right. was sort yeah. of its reputation. No, yes. to I, I love my the 80s segment. Can you believe they made this fucking movie? Right. Yeah. It was seen as like, oh yeah, one of Barbara's kind of like passion projects, yeah. like roll eye. You know what I mean? Well, like, and if you describe this movie, it sounds like the silliest thing in the world. Oh, for There's sure. no and way it sounds, that isn't embarrassing for right. everyone. It sounds involved. like a vanity project. There, are, there are. Right. I mean, right now Yentl's sort of like I don't want to say hip, but like you know, younger film people are like accepting it for it's what it is. It's coming back around. I think, but like bit, as yeah. recently as five. 
10 years ago, yeah. I personally shoved Yentl down the throats of some critics who like missed it and said, hey, I've always heard it was a joke. And I'm like, right. some pretty, I'll tell you after, like some pretty prominent people. And they're like, oh my God, I actually, they showed it at the quad. And when the quad first rebranded, yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, that movie's really good. I was stunned. I always thought it was going to be a joke. You were shoving it down their throat like it was a bag of Turkish raisins. Right. right. Can I get back to the cart, though, for a second? Because Yes. I, I, okay. I just, and then I'm going to talk yes. about Yentl. Okay. The, you know, the, 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 the argumentative aspect of it. I mean, yeah. you know, the, there's this sort of the old joke. You know, you ask, ask, uh, ask three Jews a question, you'll get six answers, right? I mean. Barbara, we have Barbara quote from, I believe, the book. In the dossier that uh, JJ pulled up, which is you put two Jews in a room, you'll have three different opinions. Okay, great. So that's yes, what I true. love. That's in that scene on the card. Yes. They're flirting and they're flirting by arguing, even though here's the point I wanted to make earlier. Mm -hmm. I'll state the premise you disputed. That's what Avidor says to Anshul. What if when Avidor states the premise, Anshul agrees? She still has to dispute it because that's yes. what, but she might actually agree, but she has to know to argue. It's the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the sport. Later, yeah. there's a dissolve, and they're deep in it. And Avador says, when does day become night? And Anshul says, uh, sundown. When is sundown? Uh, sundown is when you can see the first three stars in the sky. That's not precise enough. Why? She shouts, why? And everybody wakes up on it's the It's like car. the RoboCop app where I'm describing every edit. <laughs> I will saying, say, someone who's seen Yentl like two and a half times, it is kind of impressive to like describe these specific moments. Yes, go ahead. I just want to say, you want to know how a bunch of kids in the backyard can play Yentl? This is how you play Yentl. Yeah. You yeah. dispute the text. Clearly. And, um, you dispute the text. I'm just saying, that to me is very romantic. That These yeah. are two, you've never seen this in a movie before. Two leading stars falling in love by arguing about when is sundown. Did you have Yentl Colin dispute the text for the Atari 2600? <laughs> You're just like... Dispute. And then there's the um, no. the the nude swimming scene where it's like, hide behind tree. <laughs> like, he sees you. Right? You have to, you know... Like we're doing robot voice for Atari. <laughs> well, it's like Atari. You know, I'm with so you. Much. I started right. it. We're on the yeah, same yeah. page. Uh, okay. jump. The Orvik thing is so crazy to me just because, unlike those other two performances, her performance is so subtle, so restrained, so controlled. It's not, like, flashy. There's nothing embarrassing about it. And beyond that, you're just like... The fucking skill of this performance to sell us on, like, she's the one who really has to make the triangle function. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so reactive. Yeah. Where I'm like, you give her an Oscar nomination just for basically the technical challenge of, like, how much of this movie has to live in her eyes. It is interesting that she got the nom. Not, I mean, she's a talented actor. But they it's... were rude in a lot of other categories to this movie. Right, and yes, maybe it was kind of a sort of, right, like, good job in this like somewhat difficult role it's not a role you watch hardest. her in where you're like when's she gonna like sing or have some no, big it's, moment it's the or, quietest yeah, performance yeah. but it's also the one that's quietly the trickiest it is her, also, her big moment is when she confesses that she wouldn't mind having sex with Anshul yeah and then she's growing to to love him because he slash she is like it's just basically nice I mean that's like the big shocker yes so anyway Three dudes uh, talking about Yentl. Okay, look. So just to, <laughs> to, 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 to yeah. go back in time a little mm -hmm. bit. Please. Oh, yeah. uh, one of the, you We're know, in year many, two of a 20-year development Many process. people rewrite this script. One yeah. of, over the years, one of them is Singer himself. Mr. Yes. Isaac, Isaac yeah. Shevis Singer, uh, who uh, says that um, his version is very different from what Barbara wanted to do. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, in my script, Yentl does not stay on stage from beginning to end. You have to make room for others well, to have their say. This was him, once the movie came out, taking some shots at, like, Barbara undid the movie with her own vanity right. and making it all about her. He Who he, else would you make it about? He, I mean, that's he throws that charge at her. <laughs> yes. Uh, the film gets moved over to First Artists, which is uh, the company that Streisand and Paul Newman and Sidney Poitier create. Yes. As a sort of new Modern United United. artist. Let's right. also clarify, at this point in time, right, she won't admit to herself that she wants to direct and also thinks that's going to make my life so much more difficult. Why even have that conversation, right? Yeah, right. She wants to make this as a straight drama without singing directed by someone else. That is certainly this is for her years original what she's trying to do. of the yeah. movie. Yeah. At certainly at times, every time it gets redeveloped, there's always the question of, could you sing? Sure. That she's pushing but back on. She but never, her original she, idea but, was not. She, here's the crazy thing, though. Yeah. She creates a goddamn production company. Yes. she. Their, her first movie with them is A Star is Born, which, yes, is not that well-received, but is a huge, huge hit. Say it, David. What? It's a big, fat, big-titted hit. Yes, it's that. Thank Someone you. recently reminded me that that's where, what I'm fucking quoting. Right. Robert uh, Duvall in Network. I thought her first uh, production was For Pete's Sake with Michael Seth. Her first production with First Artists is... Uh, a Star is Born. It's a oh. huge hit. And so she's Not like... Not her first movie as a producer. Her yeah, first yes. production. Uh, and uh, she uh, says, uh, she goes to First Artist. She's like, great. Can I cash my check now yes. and make Yentl? And still they're like, ah, I don't know. You're yes. Jewish. Uh, <laughs> Shuttle girl. What is this? Right. You know, like, they're still just like, this is not commercial. You're too old. You're too famous. Right. You're too feminine. Why would we put you in a movie where you don't sing? Uh, it's so Shtetl, by the way, the in, tea, please. Shtetl, I'm sorry. Uh, it's all right, it's all right. I, I, my ancestors are Shtetl. Well, my ancestors are from the fucking Shtetl, too. I have ancestors, too. Are they from the Shtetl? I think so. I mean, my ancestors came over around 1900, like yeah. like many, obviously, yeah. because of the programs, like, and that's when this is set. Um, from West 50 Shtetl is where I think from. <laughs> yeah, they were from the Carnegie Deli. No. Um... My my family's from Lithuania though. This movie's set in Poland. It's I mean, sort it's of a generic, a big, yeah. That's yeah. all a big mishmash. Um, she does you know things like the main event, mm -hmm. uh, with um, uh, which is her last first artist films. That 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 studio goes defunct. Christopherson. Uh, John Peters no, talks her into that movie. Uh, the second Ryan O'Neill teaming. Right. Christopherson oh. is Star is Born. Oh, duh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Peters just being like, do the simplest fucking do thing. Do a What's Up Doc reunion. Right. Obviously, she's great in What's Up, Doc. Yes. Uh, right. And by then, it's like, no. She's offered uh, Eyes of Laura Mars, uh -huh. uh, which eventually Faye Dunaway does. Um, yes. And uh, uh, then she's in the 80s. Let's she's say, free and easy. The other, and she's like, yes. I'm doing fucking Yentl. Well, the other thing is this whole period of time where he's trying to convince her to do the safer movies. There's the one she does with Gene Hackman as well, where she gets paid like $4 million. Never seen that. Oh, Me neither. The, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, I, I was just looking at it's it. It's got a dopey name. Because um, she's got, she's got, it's called All Night Long. All Night yeah. Long. She's got so few films in her yes. filmography. Because well, she she's has busy doing job. other stuff. I know. She's recording. I'm not <laughs> on her case about it. But then when she makes something like All Night Long or Nuts, you know, especially once it's yeah. the 80s and it's like she really doesn't do it, you're like, why this one? Like, Well, but Nuts is her like trying to flex something different, right? All Night Long and Main Event are like, she's trying to push this Yentl thing up the hill. And Peters is like, you sign on for this, it's $4 million, easy money, in a genre everyone wants to see you in. Yeah. Right. They kept on, as she was struggling to get Yentl off the ground, offering he, her these alternative, like, this is simple. Yeah. And this is, right, once she makes Yentl, then she starts getting really, really selective about what she does. But the other thing, this whole point in time, I think it's at, at Wembley Stadium, they offered Wembley, her, Wembley. I'm sorry, Wembley Stadium. It's the National Stadium of 
England. They offered her a million dollars to play there. Peters is telling her, John Peters, her, yes. you know, uh, longtime companion slash yep. business partner slash rival, whatever, you know, complicated relationship. Hairstylist also. He's like, forget Yentl. Right. Just go fucking play Wembley Stadium. They'll give you a million bucks. She says no. They come back with two million. Yeah. She says no. Then he's like, look, everyone thinks it's pretty cool you turn down Wembley. They'll pay you $10 million for a Vegas residency. Sure. And she's like, no. There is, when you're saying like she has this day job, there's also such a fascinating relationship between, I think, her resenting yeah. the fact that her stardom feels inextricably tied to her ability as a singer yeah. as much as she loves singing and is proud of it. Yeah. She's like, I want to be able to do stuff as a film artist that isn't tied to that. Well, this is the shocking revelation to me on page 440 of My Name is Barbara, the book. Uh-huh. She really never wanted to be a singer. Right. She wanted to be an actress. Yes. And she used it as kind of means to accidentally an end. fell into musical theater, Mrs. Marmelstein. She did the jokey shtick. Yeah. And then that led to Funny Girl. And she never really wanted to do it. When she first was singing in clubs, it was just because she couldn't get a, a job. And she was a decent enough singer. That She's she a pretty could, good singer. Yeah, yes, that they I, just I, let I, her I, do I, it. And, yeah. you know, of course, she never had a singing lesson. Right. She went to one vocal coach once. Stayed for 15 minutes, turned around and left. Yeah. Because the vocal coach was telling her, you're pronouncing the words wrong. And she's like, I'm pronouncing them the way they're pronounced. Goodbye. Exactly. And she left. I, I mean, so I just. The, the point yes, that her yes. whole, every, everything she did in Hollywood was like, will you sing? And she's like, no, I don't want to. It wasn't that she didn't like singing, or, but it wasn't her goal. It no, was, and I think she, It was a day job. And, and, it, yeah. and it, it just so greatly eclipses everything else she does. I just right. keep reading her in interviews, uh, all the stuff we've been reading for the episodes, uh, her using the term sing for my supper over and over again. Yeah. Where she's just like, Yentl, I held off for so long not wanting to make a musical, but eventually I realized I had to sing for my supper. Like this, this special weapon she has. Yeah, yeah. And even yeah. to some degree, like, Prince of Tides agreeing to do an end credit song for it. Yeah, yeah. There's always this sort of final bargaining chip she has of just being like... She could throw it down as a... As a, this as a is what if I sing? Will you let me do the fucking thing I want if I sing? But, you know, it's sad because you want to be in her corner, but yet I do think Yentl the movie is so special because of the music. Of course. You know, I don't think it would work. I mean, maybe it would work, but it wouldn't be as good. You know? Uh, um. So... The producers th- were right. The studio fat cats in this case were right. She should, the music did need to be there. The music gives this movie the exact right amount of heightened reality to get away with everything that on paper feels like it shouldn't. I would agree. If she had made this as a straight drama at this age, it probably would be knobsy. Yes, and I think if she... It would be Nobzian. I also think if she had made probably what they would have preferred, which was an all-out singing and dancing full ensemble musical, that would have been a disaster. She did find the exact right midpoint. It's like almost as if Yentl is perfect. It's almost as if Yentl is perfect. She says God made her neither this nor that. Barbara says, music, this is a realistic fantasy. Having the music makes it a fantasy. Music is not real. People don't stop to sing. I mean, music is real, but okay. Yeah. I think it's a rumor. I didn't want to make Polanski's Macbeth with people who have grubby, matted hair. This was a beautiful picture, a fairy tale picture. I wanted it to be a romantic film. It is Certainly, yeah. right. I don't think people in the shtetl looked this good and autumnal and golden. You know, it was probably it was like, you know, 
it was dire times, right? A lot of mud. Yes, the shots of the city, which I think were shot in Prague. I mean, it all looks like a million bucks. I mean, it's a very good. Who is it? Uh, Vilmos Zygmunt or somebody had to have shot it? Was it a? Uh, it was shot by David Watkin, uh, who is best known for. Well, he worked with lots of people. Uh, he he best known for winning uh, the Oscar for Out of Africa. There you mm. go. Um, but he did Chariots of Fire, and he also did like a bunch of movies with, like Ken like, Russell Ken, and Zeffirelli. Picture winners at this point. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Out of Africa is a couple years from now. <sighs> the worst movie ever. Well, I've never seen that. it. It's so it's fucking boring. Oh, wow. do you put it bottom ten of Best Picture? Oh, or maybe. let's find out. Is there stiff competition? Cimarron is David uh, recently. Cimarron stinks. <laughs> and then that's the movie because I watched every as you you know you're gonna say here right. I watched every Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. Uh. You look, you watch Cimarron, you're like, this is a piece of shit. Then you look it up and they're like, Hitler's favorite movie. <laughs> the worst fucking thing a movie can <laughs> the be worst thing said a movie about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, all right, well, you know, fuck him. Yeah. What um, was uh, what was the biggest surprise? I have Out of Africa in my bottom 10. Okay. Real, no, it's not that bad. It's it's right. It's ninth from bottom. It's a snooze. I just, well, I, I mean, mean, I haven't nice, seen it in a while, you know? but I remember finding it adventuresome. I mean, they're in Africa, for Christ's sake. That's, well, I thought they really were out of Africa. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to, you know. What was the biggest surprise is actually a great question. Because obviously, you know, you watch, like, It Happened One Night or The Apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, yeah I, I knew that one was good. I mean, boring now to say that How Green Was My Valley is fantastic, okay. but it is, yeah. mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that. I mean, it's sort of famous for yeah. beating Citizen Kane, but, yeah. but it But rocks. it's still, still yeah. pretty damn good. Mrs. Miniver is one of those movies that's like incredible yeah yeah and i think people probably now mostly view as some kind of staid british period yeah, film it's sure. like not at all that movie like is the like best, best years of my lives uh, best years well, of our lives is another one if people yeah. don't know it they might think it the title is not very sexy and it's true is, but it's true wonderful. and it's long and it's a, it's that a domestic drama fucking unbelievable the movie's so amazing yeah that's one of the best films ever made in my but opinion one Miss, of the great american movies mrs miniver is just one of those movies where you're like I gotta buy some war bonds, and you know it's like 2023. <laughs> it wins you over, sure. And and um, yeah, you know, is, is Ziegfeld your bottom bottom? Uh, right at the bottom there is Around the World in 80 Days, which is truly a tough hang. Yeah, like I've you know it's gonna be bad, it. and you've mm. heard it's like three hours long and barely has a plot. It's just like yeah. let's land here, and it's like, hey, it's me, and you're like, eh, it sucks, sucks. It's like fifty or Jackie Chan stunts. It's not even <laughs> like, <laughs> isn't Arnold? That- that was Arnold's first governor oh, role. I that take was, it yes, back. His first, I'm sorry. His last movie Hitler's, before. Oh. Yeah. Cimarron is bad, but Hitler's favorite movie was Cavalcade, which is another of those uh, early yeah, winners that stinks. Yeah. Great Ziegfeld stinks. Yeah. The Broadway melody kind of stinks. That's sort of like a you know, it's funny. It's thing, funny that you, I was thinking just the other day I was going to listen. Green to, Book's pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's down there. I mean, it's, it's down not there. very good. Well, he eats the pizza. I mean, it's, it's Green Look, Book. if the whole movie was about wait, a guy wait, 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 eating a pizza. Wait a second. Wait a second. How's this guy eat this pizza? Normal, <laughs> Normal style. Regular? No, no, one no. slice at a time. No, no, no. He eats the whole pizza. There are two ways I know to eat a pizza. Yeah. No, you take you... one slice and you fold it, or yeah. you take a whole pie and eat it flat. <laughs> and I can't think of any other way in between those two. He finds a way. Green Book finds a way. Um, Green Book is not that great, but it's not that bad. Come well, the, the thing you learn... The artist, is that as bad as I remember? I have it fairly low. I mean, the thing you learn when you watch Best Picture winners is there's like, there's 10 to 15 movies where there you're like where you're like, this is bad. Sure. And then there's like a very solid chunk where you're like, you know, it's all right. I can see what they saw Green, in it. Green you Book know. also got 10% worse the second it won Best Picture. But yeah, sure. that's they definitely not do. a tag it needed I, to I, win. You know, maybe no. I'm just psychotic, but I feel like every once it wins something, I kind of hate it. 
it's not a good what, even thing like for Lawrence of Arabia. Legacies. No, in yeah. our, I mean now that we're those of us in the yeah. biz that what, cover so you this. hate Moonlight and Parasite and kind of. I, 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 I just like I'm annoyed. No country for old men. Well, that was still brilliant, but no, like like I just I, like I haven't watched Moonlight since the, the one time I saw it. And that, light it up. If it had not won the Oscar. Like La La Land didn't win the Oscar. I watched La La Land a second time. I never really? watched Moonlight a second time. I watched Moonlight a lot. Moonlight's good. Really? I think you yeah. would uh, you would yeah. find a lot to love. I thought it was fine. You know what I like more? I like the Beale Street Who Here Can't Talk. That I that, thought was better than Moonlight. That's quite a picture. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. First of all, you got this street. Why should it talk? No streets talk. Why also, no streets... they're never on fucking Beale Street. It's oh, in Harlem. Yeah, not it could in be Memphis. talking all day long. They don't even know. They're nowhere near Beale Street. I just okay, want You called it the Beale Street Cannot Talk? Is that what Something it's called? like that. Like I said, I have Beale Street. It's a talk. it's a good movie. Yeah. Barbara sees Yentl as a way to reckon with the loss of her father, Emmanuel, he, who died when she was a baby, when she was fifteen months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, "All these years, she's the best. I was just looking for daddy in a way, and then I realized I was never going to get him. It was only through Yentl that I had to chance to make myself a father." So. That's how she's reckoning with this sort of gender switching of Yentl. Mm. Is like, this is a way for me to get in touch with my dad, who I essentially never knew. Yeah. I've been hesitating. It's the kind of thing Barbara Streisand would say. Whether or not to say it's just because it's such a basic-ass broad statement, but I do, I stand by this. The dominant theme of Barbara Streisand's work, her life's work as an artist, is love, right? And you could say that about a lot of people, but I just think in like a pretty primal way, Almost all of her work is about, like, reckoning with the desire to be loved. Obviously, so much of her work is about whether or not she's worthy of being loved. And these sort of, like, overarching passions that cannot actually be met or satisfied, you know? Right. And she talks so much about, yeah, this, like, formative thing of her father dying when she was so young. Her mother was never really kind to her. No, and her stepfather, like, didn't give her the time of day. Yeah. So she's this child who grows up with, like, no love reciprocation. The figure who she feels she could have gotten love from is gone from her life when she's basically too young to remember. And she says this, like, it's the reason she was so effective as a singer without having technical training, despite the fact that she's got good pipes, you know, that she's born with it, whatever, is that there was this, like, innate sense of longing she understood from a very young age that made her capable at 16 of singing, like, the great tragic love songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And could connect to an audience and would would do anything to please them. Right. And, like, you know, uh, Star is Born is a movie about love between two people who should not be together. But you're like, well, this transcends logic, right? Right. And then, like, Yentl, she said, is the movie about her trying to, like, reckon with her love of, of her father who she didn't have and uh, prince of tides is her trying to reckon with the love for her mother who was there but she couldn't access yeah. and then mirror has two faces is the movie about her being like can someone please love me right and also i mean uh, she wasn't a te- i don't know if she was a f- officially a producer but she was very involved in the story development on the way we were also yes i mean, no, I mean she's, no, she's got a heavy hand in many heavy of her hand. non-directed films right. yes. but most of them do boil down to that yeah yeah, well, she stuff. should make a different kind of movie about, I don't know, like a bunch of jewel thieves or something cool. What if a green? Yeah. Um, so, is the last thing she did the, the one with Seth Rogen? Yes. Yeah, which rules. Which is a good movie. It's Have not you seen bad. Movie? Oh, it's funny. She's yeah, I so like it. fucking good. Well, she's a, funny. She's a, a A-list talent. Yeah, sure. Even if she's in like kind of a nothing movie. I say this on what, the record. I what, think she's a good movie star. What, what year did the album Guilty come out? 
that was a huge. I do remember that. Huge. I feel hit. like that was the nineties. That was uh, her poppier. No, no, no. It was no, with no. Barry Gibbs. Barry, the, oh no, I'm sorry. It was the eighties. Yeah. Was, yeah, it, yeah, was yeah. it before Yentl or after? Before. Okay, so this is key, and I think this plays mm-hmm. into it. I, I was like, I'm a little older than you, mm-hmm. you guys. Um, so I was around when the Barry Gibb collaboration album. Yeah, I, it was. It was as big. Maybe it's just because I grew up in a Jewish community in New Jersey, mm. but it was as big as Taylor Swift. Sure. It was, gi- I mean, it was everywhere. Every time you turn on the radio, everybody had the record. Everybody had the tape. Constant. The two songs, Woman in Love and then the title track, Guilty, were just ubiquitous. You couldn't escape them. And they were, and it's it's good pop, it's good pop with a bossa, bossa Nova beat. It was a little hip for Barbara. She wasn't singing show tunes. She wasn't doing quasi-classical stuff. It was pop music of the era, mm-hmm. like a Lionel Richie type to be thing. Clear, it's a very odd album because it's a Barbara Streisand album. And almost all the tracks on it are just her. Barry Gibb is on two tracks. He wrote all the songs and produced it and is thus on the cover hugging her. Like what like imagine if like, you know, Steve Albini was like on the cover of, you know, in utero, like hugging the bed. You know, like it's like this weird thing where he's like, I'm everywhere in this album, but yeah. it's her album. I mean, David, is it that different from Mark Ronson or DJ Khaled, who both basically have the same career? Huge oh, talents. What do you mean? They the point album is at other my talented name, people. Right. The cover is my face. But other they, people sing but every thing, single but it's, song. It's not but it's not DJ Barbara Khaled. Streisand it's, and Barry Gibb. It's, it's Barbara Bar- Streisand guilty. But here she is hugging Barry Gibb, and he's yeah. all over it. And you know. in my memory, having not listened to the record in a long time, I thought he was on every song. It's he's just, on. He's, he's on, on the two, two of the hits. songs. He's on. The, he's on guilty and what kind of fool? Oh, what kind of fool? That's what right. That's a third fool. hit. Oh my god. These. I mean, I'm, I, like I said, my, my Look, yeah, aunts. All you go to the aunt's house. The cousin. The album was always on twenty four. It sold fifteen million records. Yeah. Mm. And it was just gi- a lot. It was gigantic. Now, I guess what you had to say is when you grew up in the community, I didn't did. win album of the year at the Grammys though. Oh my god, what did? Christopher Cross is Christopher Cross. The one, with, <laughs> the one with the flamingo. Yeah, it's a good album, but that's a Shonda. That's an anti-Semitic that's and anti, sh- anti, uh, anti. It's sexist. Sure, but I'll say this: like when you look at the '80s Grammy winners, you're like, these people were hired. Crack. I mean, I I have <laughs> like, made this argument before. Is there any awards body that has less respect within its industry? No, there isn't. But I still we were sometimes just talking about marvel their being, at their choices, like Best yes. Picture stinkers. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, no yeah. one talks about like. Did the Grammys get it right that okay. year? Do you know that when the Grammys first started, album of the year, like of the first five, yeah. two of them are comedy records. Yeah, Bob Newhart wins Bob Newhart, two times? Button Down Mine of Bob Newhart won, yeah. and then Vaughn Meter's The First Family. Right. Yes. And Vaughn Meter is mostly known today as the butt of a Lenny Bruce joke. Yes. Because Vaughn Meter had one job. He was a I mean, John. Even that's stretching it that he's well known for I, being you know part what, of a Lenny Bruce. I would have. I mean, well known. If I don't he's know known if that's at all. blowing up TikTok. I don't think. Well, no. The kid, the people out there listening right now who are like in their cars. <laughs> have to get back to you. You haven't seen all the trend po- of like tweens mouthing along with the Lenny Bruce bit. <laughs> wait, 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 Every the kids on the podcast right now who download it's like radio, but it's oh like God. we have to get back to you. We have ten more years of dental development. I'm just telling you this. When so Vaughn Meter yeah. was a John F. Kennedy. I'm very open. Yes, I, the we know who don't he know. is. Who cares? You guys don't. I, the people I do at care. home don't know. The people at home don't know. Vaughn Meter in 1962 was a, the world's greatest John Kennedy impersonator. Yes. So he put out a record called The First Family. And it sold hit. a zillion copies. Yeah, the biggest album. Taylor Swift and Beyonce put together. Yeah. So he, And it was all he did was he he pretended to be the president. He wasn't even that funny. He, he just pretended. He, look, he hitched so, his wagon to yeah. JFK. So JFK is <laughs> That shot. wagon got assassinated. JFK gets killed. This yes. is true. The society collapses. Lenny Bruce is his first gig after the assassination. 
He gets on stage at the nightclub, and he's known for being, you know, irreverent and iconoclastic. He looks at the audience and goes, wow, Vaughn Meter is fucked. It's a mean, good joke. That's an amazing Not only is it, joke. it is also completely true. The guy's yeah. career was over in a day. Bill Hader and Robert Siegel have been trying to make yes. a Von Meter movie that I was thought would be incredible. It's not true. It's yes, a fascinating a story. But like literally it was like he probably got a call from his agent that day being like, well, your tour's canceled. Yes. Your next record isn't coming out. Right. You yeah. are fucked, my friend. Right. And it's like it's it's beyond cancel culture because it's a thing that was so outside of anything he did, but he had no other work in his repertoire. He he had no other bits, and it was like this guy went from top of the mountain, winning Grammys, best-selling album, yeah. to tomorrow you are unhireable. Yeah, he's working at, at a gas station. Yeah. Okay, so, Yentl. All right, so she, in the 80s, yes, she's going to sing. It, that will help it get made. She's going to connect with her father. Uh, John Peters says she's sitting cottage for her father. Sounds like something John Peters would say. I'm sure he tried to get an Iron Spider in the movie and was you know, shut down. Yes. Um, Orion uh, uh, is, is, you know, Heaven's Gate. You know, is a disaster, mm -hmm. right? Uh, suddenly, studios don't want to hear about movies that cost over ten million dollars. That was Heaven's Gate cost fourteen. Let's also say quickly: at some point within this development process, she, when it's been so long trying to push this movie uphill, she shifts to, I guess, I direct it and hire a younger actress to play Yentl. Sure, right, right. Um, she says at one point she takes her name off the script because she thinks that's actually hurting. Yes. Her chance of, uh, you know, developing the movie with a studio because they think it's going to be crazy. She does All Night Long with Gene Hackman. Peter's uh, the likes person, the script. Yeah, easy payday. Peter's the person who's closest to her is, like, the most loudly and critically repeating all the, you're too old, you're too feminine, you're too yeah. famous, you can't get this off. And she shows up one day at their house dressed like a man smoking a pipe. He thinks she's an intruder. He says, I almost <laughs> punched her in the jaw. And that's the one where he goes like, fuck it, I guess you could probably pull this off. But she also basically is like, I'm not making this with you. You don't believe in it. I need, like this needs yeah. to be my yeah. own personal expression. Um, it can't be part of our thing. She yeah. finally gets United Artists to budget the movie about $15 million. Um, I think it was actually ended up being made for about 12. Elaine May took a pass. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a zillion other fucking Ted Allen. You know, uh, Jack Rosenthal, who wrote uh, a movie called The Bar Mitzvah Boy. Uh, is brought in to co-write the screenplay. Apparently, they fought all the time. I mean, this is always the story of Streisand. It's like so much collaboration, but so much fighting. Uh, Michelle Legrand and the Bergmans come in to do the music. Okay, things are moving along. They shoot it in the Czech Republic. Uh, number one choice for Avigdor. Oh, I never... I haven't gotten this part in the book. Uh, Dickie Gear. Richard Gear. I, I could see it. Makes a tremendous I amount of sense. It. I could see it. She I mean, wanted a masculine. Yeah, he's not, he's not and Jewish. Feminine. He's not Jewish, but he, he's he actually he was Jewish. Is he not? No, he's played Jewish. So he played Jewish in that movie um, Norman. I think it's called. He was great in it. Why did I always think he was Jewish? No, he's not. Richard but he, Gere, he would be good. He would be good. Uh, is a Methodist from wow. Syracuse, wow. New York. Obviously, uh, uh, become a Buddhist. Yeah, he's a righteous man, and we yes. shouldn't be so hung up on labels, man. No, but. But uh, he he would be good. You know, sometimes you hear about alternate casting and you go, what? That's crazy. He, I, could, I could see it, Richard He Gere. was out on the idea of her directing. So he mm. didn't he want to He said to her. It. He made I, a lot of bad decisions after yeah. American Gigolo too. He said, I would do it if it was you acting and someone else directing, or I'd do it if it was you directing and someone else acting, but yeah. I don't trust you doing both. Well, then she was right to fire him because you, you got to go all in on the yep. train. You can't, no. you can't go half-assed. Katinkin had just played Che in Evita. Yeah. He'd won a Tony. But has not the, made on a, the, a on picture. On the Broadway stage, he's not made a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, he said he was initially offended by certain parts of the story. Um, like what? 
He said he didn't like that the uh, guys in the Shiva were watching girls bathing naked. I wouldn't do that. Uh, he wanted to wear peyo and have his head shaped like he wanted to look like a true Talmud student, and Barbara wasn't into it. She said he looked like Michelangelo, and she didn't mean the turtle. Nope. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for one, it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you don't you have many movies. Like, no. you know, take the role. But this is what I'm saying. He was always just the most argumentative, strong-minded. And so yes. was she. Yes. So they were good for each other. Yes. Um, I'm having an animal cracker. These are the uh, Zodiac animal crackers that are still in our office. Just don't eat it directly on my... Why are they Zodiac? Are they because like... It's David Toski eats the... Are they like crinkle it right into the microphone? Yeah. Please. Like, they, it's like one Sagittarius. Put the bag inside the no, microphone. It's like, am I gonna have a Capricorn? In Zodiac, he eats the animal crackers. Oh, oh, all right, all right. I'm gonna get one. You're so Jordan. loud, Jordan. <laughs> Everyone's gonna unsubscribe. Um. Okay. So, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Henry Goldblatt. Uh huh. Uh, sorry, sorry. Harold Goldblatt was supposed to be in this movie. I think maybe is uh, he was the yeshiva teacher. They do. Uh, this is an incredible story. Yeah. Right. They do, I guess, a reading? Is that what it is? Rehearsals. Yeah, yeah, they're just doing rehearsals. Uh, at one point, he just smiles beatifically, according to Mandy Patinkin, at a table of Yentl actors, puts his head down, and dies. Dies there on the spot. Has a massive heart attack. Uh, Patinkin says if there was a heart surgeon in the room, he would not have survived. Uh, and uh, basically, they were all just like, "Wow, he just—it was time to go." Second I guess. also said, "That's how I want to go." Like he, it, it came, I, yeah. Nice to see you all, and goodbye. You hold court, yeah. At you a give table a good read. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, we should also just say, at some point, right? As as the things moving back and forth between, does Barbara Star does she direct? Is a musical? Is it not? When it's all finally coming together, and she's like, "You know what? I need to do this. It needs to be me. I need to play it. That's how it gets made. That's how I get sure, control." Sure, I'm sure. Everyone's like, "You're 40 now," and she's like. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make the character 26. The jump comes from Look, 16 to Hollywood 26. Hollywood does it all the time, usually with boys. And, you I, know, she she did, always historically did her own makeup, so, you know, I she knew how it. to do it. I mean, it. this is the thing. It's fine. She's In the reality of this movie creates, I completely buy the what they're The whole thing selling. is that the movie is so unreal anyway. My yeah. God, it's back. So far um, away. Uh the other thing that has been ma majorly reported on from her new book mm -hmm. is that she says she was keeps fighting with Patinkin, and then eventually she's like, "Why are you so angry?" And is she fighting with Patinkin. Patinkin's fighting with everyone he's on fighting set. With he's being—he's a confrontational man. He's like someone hands me but, hands him a tissue, but and he that yells we at them. know about Mandy Patinkin. We do know that. What we don't know is what she said in this book, which is she finally confronts him, and he said, Goes "I thought we were going to have a more personal relationship. Yeah. I thought oh. we were going to have an affair." <laughs> uh, and Barbara is like, I would never have an affair with an actor I'm directing. One. You're married. Two. And I'm not attracted to you. Three. Rude. The third one, to be third clear. Third one sounds like The other two, I, I hear you, uh, I simply said, I don't operate that way. Tears rolled down his cheeks, and I realized what this was really about. I wasn't paying enough attention to him as a man, not the kind of attention he wanted. And uh, so basically she was like, I'm going to fire you. I'm prepared to replace you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you destroy this. Uh, and he recommits himself and, you know, they push through it and he's wonderful in the film, but, uh, it's kind of a crazy story. That is nuts. Uh, she wanted yeah. Carol Kane for Hadass, which is a fun thought. I mean, Carol Kane, an Oscar nominee at this I'm, point, listen, right? Yeah. Like, but she, very yeah, specific type. At that time though, she was already loony because she was already in like 
Carol King Taxi. crazy? She doesn't have crazy vibes at all. What are you talking no, about? No, no, I, I meant like a loony character. Like I a know. loony too. Yeah, like she was on Taxi already. I yeah. don't mean like as a person. I mean, she was already as screwy She thought the comedian. movie could benefit from having comedic energy and having someone where she was like, that's what she was looking for. Like, Carol Kane has such a funny voice. Yeah, no. Right. It could lighten up the film. Disagree. And the studio said you cannot have three Jewish leads. So they did. Correct. Yeah. They shut it down. And she was like, the movie's already so fucking Jewish. What is yeah, it's one? Like, that's not really the straw that's going to break right, the camel's right. back. But Amy right. Irving is Jewish. Yes. But my guess is that she was hot. She was such a beautiful, yes. like, you know, they were like, all right, well. And she was know. still married to Spielberg at the time? No, they don't get no. married till years later. Were they at least dating? Yes. So having. She even... was supposed to be Willie Scott. She had tested for... Yeah, she marries him, Spielberg, in 85. Right. She's supposed to be... But Willie, they had been course, together on and, and off for almost a decade. They had a very long... Because she, she's in Carrie, obviously. Right. Yeah. She's in uh, The but Fury. But she, she had tested for Marion and Raiders, and then I think they broke up, so that, oh. then, it, then they got back together, then she was supposed to play Willie Scott in Temple, and then she gets off for this, and Spielberg was like, you're not going to say no to Streisand. Wow, uh, okay. Yeah, which is yeah. fair. Uh, Vittorio Serrata was supposed to shoot the movie. I think that's where you got that from. He yeah. was the first choice. They couldn't afford him. Wow. So much of this production, I think, was like, we have to cut where we can because it's an expensive yeah. movie. Um, but David Watkins... Uh, he did a great job. Did a, a nice job. She th thought their styles aligned very well. Um, and uh, she only had nine days to do musical rehearsals, apparently. Um, and, uh, you know, the choreography of this film is simple, uh, you know? Yeah. So part, like part of her contract on this movie is that the film went over budget or over schedule came out of her salary directly, which it did. She um, was like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm fine to not make money on this movie. She gives Amazing. up final cut, which is big for her to yeah. do. Huge. As someone um, who had final cut when she wasn't directing. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, when she's been in the editing room for a while, she gets this ultimatum of like, you've already gone a million dollars over budget. You have to film this, finish this film in like the next few weeks, or else we're taking it away from you. Mm -hmm. But whatever, they figured it out, and then wow. Yentl came out, and then also uh, Stephen Hill, isn't it? He is. Yeah. Stephen Hill was the first uh, Mission Impossible before Peter yes. Graves, mm -hmm. and this is a funny story. He was he fired for from Mission Impossible because he, he wouldn't work on the Sabbath. He wouldn't work on the Sabbath, and when he got hired. He's like, look, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I'm not like one of these Hollywood Jews. I'm a hardcore Jew. I don't work on the Sabbath. From Friday night to Saturday night, I'm home praying and, and doing my thing. And Desi Lu was like, cool, man, you got it. And then he was doing it. It's like he was checking the watch. They'd be in the middle of a shot and be like, all right, guys, I'm out. Right. And they'd be like, we thought you didn't mean it. Right. It's exactly what Even happened. Even though it was written into his contract. Yeah. So he got fired. After and the like, first I season. feel like yeah. today that would be a lawsuit. I mean, yes. you know? but he's great in that first season. No, and he Impossible. had like a protracted, a protracted period of not working in film or television where he went back to theater and then was sort of revived around this period and yeah. had this crazy uh, second life on Law and Order. It's also great in the firm. He's great in the firm. He's, he's a so great actor. Good I mean, his whole thing in Law and Order was eventually you were like, you know, Watterson would be like, oh, all right, we got to take the case. And they sure. go to this, like, ancient man fused to a chair. He's like, yeah, you should do it. And you're like, retire, right. Stephen, enough. <laughs> like, you know, come but, on. But he was like a— But he was playing Morgenthau, like the yes. real DA who the, really who, never did fucking retire. Yeah, he was a yeah. skeleton. When he was like a Brando actor studio, yeah, sort of mumbly, contemporary, yeah. who then, like— 
He split on his. He he was fired from Mission Impossible, and then he split. He's Correct. like, I'm done acting. I want to. I want to be. A, I think his main. He like. I don't, I don't like this he, industry. I don't like. I think he right. was a rabbi. Yes. At some point, he just like he left and but then so, came back yes. later. Yeah. Him being a mummified corpse, ten years past his due date on Mission Impossible on uh, Law and Order. Rather, mm-hmm. I'm just like. This guy didn't have like the thirty years that yeah. should have been the prime of his career. Exactly. Yeah. Stephen Hill was allowed to be on Law and Order Absolutely. as long as he could. Yeah. Yes. Be. I just remember at the end the vibes were just a little sleepy. Uh, the actor who plays Papa in this movie. Uh, yes, the actor who plays Papa is called ne- Nemaya Persoff, who was similarly one of the first students of the uh, at the actor studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, also played. He's also Papa Moskowitz. Well, that's what I was about to say. There are no cats. Does Papa Moskowitz make it to America? I think so. I saw that he is in all the direct-to-video files as well. <laughs> How many of those are there? He has this like sort of blue for really hurt his brand with with those. Wow, yeah. I'm, I'm emotional about it. Like the fact that there were like 13, I was rooting for Blue thirteen Land Before Time. Yeah. it kind of made it seem junkier. Yeah, the originals are good. Yeah, Bluth also heard his reputation with some of the movies he put in theaters. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a fair point. Um, but yes, he no. Made, no, he ruined his career because he made a Fakakta video game that you put a quarter into and you die. Zero seconds later. What are you referring Dragon's to? Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Oh, yeah, yeah, the most yeah. I'm, listen, I'm not particularly good at video games. Anything. No, but it looks good. It's so cool. I can barely play skee-ball. <laughs> but you give me a video game, <laughs> it's very complicated. This one is really complicated. Even the real kids who know how to play video games can't play D- Dragon's Lair. The name of this actor who plays Papa. Uh, sorry, uh, N- Namaya. Sorry, I want Nemaya... to... <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Nemaya Persoff. He similarly has this late period renaissance where he does this. He does American Tale. He's in uh, uh, Last Temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, he has this great, like, sort of final act of his career. And then, like, late 80s, he's like, my health is declining. I'm going to retire and enjoy my my final years. He died a year ago. Holy shit. Holy he lived shit. until he, he 102. 102! And yet his wow. last credit is his last on-screen credit yes. is basically is twins in yes. 1988. He plays the doctor in twins. Sure. Apparently, so in Angels in America, the Mike Nichols. He's uh, in, the, in the group of the Meryl Right, Street there's rabbis. a bunch of rabbis. Uncredited. So but yeah. that's more of a tip of the hat. No, yeah. he has this like robust. Tip of the yarmulke, I think. Ro- is what you just said. <laughs> he has this robust 80s and is like, okay, I know well enough, yeah. uh, you know. Don't I, mess. Time, Don't time mess. to leave. And then just lived another 20 years. And by his children's account, his final words were, it's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this already. Wow. Oh, but he is so good in this, and it's so important because it's like this is a limited screen time yeah. performance yes. that needs to like hang over the entire film in a very like unfussy, unmannered way. Yeah. There is just like such an integrity and warmth to him that you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not gonna forget this guy even when he hasn't been on screen in two hours. Uh, Griffin, what's your favorite yeah. what's your favorite scene in Yentel? What's my and favorite? you need to know that he can hear her. Yes. And watch her fly at the end of the film. My favorite scene. I do. I do think oh. the suit fitting is really funny. Really? The suit fitting is funny because it combines genuine pressure. Yes. Right. You're actually quite tense in the scene with old Jewish tailors being like, "I have to leave the room now for him to take his trousers off or whatever," <laughs> which is really, fun. Yeah, it's really funny and a good song. A good song. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow right. That that scene encapsulates everything the movie is capable of doing all at once. Um, I think the scene where she tries to uh, uh, talk Amy Irving out of sleeping with her, yeah, on their wedding nights, incredibly something good. no yes. human could actually do. Reject that Amy scene Irving. Is 
really yes it's it's yeah. funny and let's and you, yes go ahead no the, the, i mean the the fucking skinny dipping scene the skinny yeah. dipping scene i was waiting for that her one. and patinkin back to back in the bed that the first where she's like talmud says yeah. uh, Ta- we Thomas have to sleep says, back to back uh, <laughs> um right i like that scene yeah. a lot i mean almost any i mean just patinkin going full fucking brando yeah. like when he you disrespect the torah where it's just like this shouldn't work in this movie. Have like this, seen... like intensity. Obviously, because it's it, the the excerpt from the book about that we just paraphrased uh, uh, Potemkin in the dressing yeah. room with the affair. Yeah, there's been a lot more uh, talking about. It's going to be season five movie. of the show. They're going to do season, the affair yes. season five. Uh, <laughs> Potemkin and Yentl. So it, it's the first affair that doesn't happen. Um, someone was recirculating. I think it's on the Blu-ray, which is out of print, very hard to find. The Twilight time disc but barbara like keeps very active archives of everything oh yeah so her movie discs all have like extensive have rehearsals yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah and there's a clip that someone uploaded that was circulating around twitter which is streisand directing Potenkin's performance during the take it is this final scene of you mm. you, you disrespected the Talmud. Yes, right and barbara in the take is going like tone down tone down tone right down. right which makes yeah. I, that would be my direction. Right. Would be like this is, this is just not in line with the movie's tone. But it's so fascinating because he is clearly like the more he's, the more she's nudging his performance, the more energy it gives him. Yes. Wow. But, and you just realize how attuned she was to sort of performance. And she talks about like I actually loved acting and directing, the thing that most people thought would be so difficult to do at the same time because it takes one actor off the board for me to care about, but also it allows me to internally direct scenes mid-take. Right. I think not often... I think that's often frowned upon. Yes. Yes. No, I don't think in most cases she's describing what she's doing in this clip where she's literally giving him notes while the camera's rolling. Yeah, right. I think she's talking more about I can adjust my performer as an actor and in real time... Yeah, that's that's probably pretty scene. rare. I just totally. remember yeah. when I interviewed Clooney. Yes. Uh, one of the great actor directors. Yeah. Never misses. No. Leatherheads. It's a shame he hasn't directed a film in 20 years. <laughs> um, he should get back to it because uh, his track record's like perfect. Well, he's what if, made there, one were, good what if there were boys and they were in a boat? <laughs> I actually have heard it's not bad. How could it be bad? Yeah, Bill Gasol. Oh, well, uh, uh, yeah, somebody said that. It'll, every, be, it'll have come out by now. But every, we can yeah. say that Bill Gasol liked it. Every Clooney-directed film that gets announced, you go, how could that be bad? <laughs> Right. Uh, That's a layup. I, I do remember asking him about, you know, yes, writing, right, actor, director. Sure. And he was like, I really hate to, when I'm in a scene with an actor yeah. and I'm acting, then shift into like, and, you know, like, I, he, and I, I get it. It seems awkward or disrespectful or like some breach of protocol. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, a lot of the great, Actor directors were doing comedy, which is like you know, you think about Chaplin. I mean, he yeah. knows what he wants out of it. And then a lot of the great actor directors have a smaller role, right? You know, or a support, like you know, I don't know, Sidney Pollack in, in Tootsie I is mean, perfect. The, the well, you put Sidney Pollack in a movie, you're yeah. winning. I yeah. mean, you're yeah, you know. Um, but I do you mentioned th- though at the uh, end because we're yeah. talking about the greatest scenes, and I do think. Yeah, what's your answer? Well, I don't know, but I do. I wanted. I want to ask you guys this because you've been talking about Barbara, and I'm sure you've talked in other episodes about Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. The ending of Yentl, when she's singing her guts out on yeah. a boat. She's on the boat. Yeah. She Do you find that to be, like, even better because of Don't Rain On My Parade from Funny Girl? What do you mean by even better? 
You mean well, like I mean, like the, the scene the, is the, great, but her having her be on a boat just kind of in, evokes it, and yeah, thus that she's on the fr- in front of a boat, not just singing, like sure. singing with all capital letters in bold and underlined. Yeah, and she did this once before in Funny Girl, where it was silly. She's you know, don't rain on my boat. Right, I want Nikki Arnstein, the gambler. In this, it was I'm coming to America to be myself because yeah. the old well, world sucks. Singer, and, so Singer hated the ending. Yeah, well, he like was this not a, ending. Yeah, he right. was not always right. He's Always right. Oh, I'm always no, no. He, but like he really went after. Like I fucking hate her on the boat at the end because it's too optimistic. It's too like sure, sort of pat. Like oh, don't worry. Like she doesn't have to marry Patinkin or Amy Irving. She can go to America where all people are free. Like you know, there's a little bit of like a kind of like okay, she'll direct. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, right. United Artists. Um, I like it because it's Barbara Streisand on a boat singing, like you're saying. Like, yeah, I, like I'm just kind of like, so I'm one I'm over. Yeah. It does right. feel a little like play the hits in a way I enjoy. Yeah, it doesn't bother yeah. me in the slightest. She's, but yeah, I cannot deny that Yentl is cheesy. Or no. cheesy might not be no, the but word, you know, I, I mean, this is what I find interesting uh, somewhat, about. Sentimental. It's, sen- yes. it's, sentimental. it's highly sentimental. I, yeah, the ending right. of that movie, even when I was eight, yeah. Got me for Klimt, you know, like, and, and it's like oh, embarrassing. Right, that, you know? like, right, th- this movie's very sunny vision of her leaving the old country. She's going to have real freedom in America. She can yeah. do anything she wants. I, I do think there's something intentional to, as you're saying, her repeating the iconography of one of her most famous musical numbers, yeah. where it's like, well, when this boat docks, she's going to get to be Barbara Streisand. <laughs> you know? But it also resonates. Like she's fully kind of coming to her power. I think it resonates a lot with American Jews. And I yes. think, like, you know, my grandparents, um, you know, were really big into America because all four of them survived. Most of their relatives did not. Yeah. And when they got here, by and large, people did not want to kill them. There are no cats. So <laughs> there were no she's cats. So, like, America was pretty hip. You could just, like, you know, go to the yeah. store and not worry about being killed for no reason. So... It was, you know, that sort of added yay America thing is kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, there's still sexism in America when she lands, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's just, I just feel it's a a, a change that really is, is is for the best. Also, what year did uh, Neil Diamond and the Jazz Singer come out? Oh, yeah, a film with no problems whatsoever. <laughs> Definitely no. One, the same year, right? It's got one, uh, that one film, questionable scene. One questionable scene. <laughs> Calling that film questionable is very generous. Oh, uh, 1980. Yeah, uh, so that was in the mix too. That was a big movie. So that yeah, was, we were talking was. about movies where you watch your grandparents who were Jewish immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was either um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof sure. or The Jazz Singer, and then finally Yenta. All yes. had musical numbers. Yes. Um, um, some breaking news: Kimmel's back for the Oscars. Yeah. Hey. Uh, also, again. weird news: Dustin uh, 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 Daniel Critton uh, leaving uh, King Dynasty. Th- that film seemed very stable. I just think it's a little bit of a bad move for Marvel to get him off that movie. Did, it's got to come out pretty soon. Did I just slip into a Marvel like portal and enter another dimension? <laughs> it was just st- funny where they were like, "What's happening is Dustin uh, Critton will not be making the film," and I'm like, "Right, the film, the film that will continue <laughs> to exist." Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. Right. King's on the way, folks. That, that's a know. rude way to make that announcement. Right. He stepped down as director. Yeah, he stepped down as director of a project that doesn't exist. Yeah, he stepped down because he, he pulled out the ladder. <laughs> and you like, imagine if he was in the room. Took a wrecking like, ball to the house. Kang, yeah. this is it. The, I walk the streets and people yell at me, Kang, I can't wait to see more Kang. <laughs> Do you think they're regretting the fact that when they introduced that fucking character, he got killed by a bunch of ants in his first appearance? Yeah. He gets swamped by ants. 
It's like, watch out for this guy. Thanos doesn't get like knocked over by a bunch of butterflies in his first appearance. I think that's maybe number 50 on the list <laughs> yeah, of things they're regretting a lot of right regrets. now. Anyway, um, Yentl. The tone of this thing, we're talking Where about Where would the, Yentl fit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Everywhere. What do you mean? She walked through every portal? You know? What if it's Avengers, the Yentl dynasty? <laughs> they pip, they're like, we're pivoting away from Kang. Barbara Streisand is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's sure. like, directing, producing. I mean, <laughs> like, listen, uh, uh, let's, what other connect? Redford was in there? Yeah. Any other? Um, Great question. Has uh, anybody else from a... Uh, Gould from, has yet to do a Marvel. Tinkin has yet to do a Marvel, although on his TikTok, he's frequently asked to remember superhero movies. And yes. he's like, Chris Christopherson uh, ever? I don't know, um, Batman? Like, you know, uh, Christopherson never did a... Well, he was in Blade. Christopherson. Oh, Christopherson. Pre-MCU, yeah. but still a comic book film. There's that great thing in the... Has Dustin Blade, Hoffman... you gotta go get the vampires. What? <laughs> Has Dustin Hoffman been in um, Marvel? Dustin Hoffman's no. not really been welcome in, like, sort Modern. of big movies for quite a while. Yes, yeah. he works in Italy mostly. Redford, <laughs> Redford's the only one. I think so. Well, yeah, because so when Redford Ryan was O'Neal. in the Marvel movies, it was pretty fucking weird. It was yeah. wild. <laughs> it was He's like, hi, right, Nick Fury, how are you doing? And I was like, Robert, please, contain yourself. Go to the mountains. <laughs> Read your New York Times. It's all a little bit embarrassing. All but certainly the last words Robert Redford ever will have uttered <laughs> on screen. Suitcase. No, are Hail Hydra. Am I wrong about that? Oh, God. Well, he's in, no, he's in Endgame. Yeah, but he says Hail Hydra. That's his last thing? I think thing? that's, maybe I'm I wrong I think about it would this. be funnier if he said Loki got the suitcase. Has he really and then he not turned been in anything like on Disney Plus? He does say it. What? Which, how many Marvel movies was Redford in? Two. 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 He's and in... he hasn't been in anything since? Like, no. The, that well, came his... out six months after Old Man and the Gun. Old Man and the Gun was That's like this beautiful, elegaic sort a... of goodbye to Robert And everyone Redford, was like, this is your final film? And he was like, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And, and then the answer Endgame was shows they had to and... stay quiet about the fact that he was in Endgame. Oh, Christ. Right. And oh, Loki so humiliating. Know, like, steals yeah. his ID Loki. card and he's like, Loki? Yeah. No, he definitely does say Loki's got my suitcase, but I think... You know what? That was show business. You know what? I take it back. It's right it's just. It's right. It's that it right should and it's be. Just. No, I mean, you know, let's stop. The movies, man, it's for fun. I it's mean, for look, he's probably you know? getting some fat checks. It's I mean, what does he, he need for money? Got a credit I'm saying game. these That's are entertainers. Even Barbara, she's an yeah. entertainer. She, you know, so. No, the, I, look, Marvel, Feige just, should go, you know what? Feige. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Full creative control over to Babs. Barbara Get her would off make, the bench. Have you ever listened to the director's commentary track on What's Up, Doc? Yeah. Where mo- it's mostly Peter Bogdanovich explaining the plot to Barbara. And she goes, this is crazy. I don't <laughs> understand what's happening. It's just her not getting the plot at all. Now, yeah. granted, What's Up, Doc is a little silly. It's hard to it's follow silly. at times. Too many suitcases. But uh, it's hilarious. She should totally direct Ant-Man 4. She will. Ugh, the ants, the disgusting. I do think that Ant-Man 4 is the direction to go after the failure of Ant-Man 3. Yeah, and Barbara. Barbara Streisand is the yeah, woman yeah, to, to, to fix the right. With know, um, uh, was the it ship. Michelle Pfeiffer, they get along. They get the nails done. They were. I cannot imagine for one second that they would get along. You How are could you crazy. Say that? How could <laughs> you say that? incredibly strong. You have one of my favorite Michelle Pfeiffer stories ever. Oh, I, I can't tell that story. Oh, anymore. God, I love that story. I tell that story to people all the it's time. A little, I don't want to tell it. It's okay, a little, should I tell it? It's, it's nothing bad, right? No, it's not bad. At all. Do you it's know a, the story? Well, it makes me, so. it makes, and this, it makes me feel, makes me feel a little dumb. Okay. You know, Hoffman doesn't like to present that side of himself. So I like to be kind of the guy who knows. You're high right. status you're, figure. You're, you're real suave. <laughs> all right. So, um, Barb, what's, uh, uh, what's her name? Michelle Pfeiffer is yeah. doing promo for a motion picture that no one's heard of called The Family. Oh, the Luc Besson, <laughs> yeah. De Niro. Definitely a movie comedy. she wants to remember. Yeah. 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 So I go, um, 
I have them, I'm doing an interview with her mm-hmm. at in the corner suite of the Mandarin, Mandarin Oriental Hotel in okay. Manhattan, which overlooks if, Central Park. If you don't know, it's on the south west corner of Central Park. It's probably the most one of the most expensive hotels in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. She's on the 82nd floor. It's toward the end of the day, 4.30 p.m. I'm probably her last interview of a very long day promoting what I think most people would agree is a piece of dog shit movie. <laughs> um, so uh, I get into the suite, and it's a corner suite. So she's got win- – she's like – picture like a diamond. Like, like okay. she's in the corner, mm-hmm. a giant window behind her to the left, and she's in the vertex, right? But it's the end of the day, and so the sun is kind of saying, so she's backlit. So I see her as a silhouette. It's like a shot right out of Mildred Pierce or something, you mm-hmm. know? And I go into the room, and she's a big star, and I, I like Michelle Pfeiffer. Who doesn't like we Michelle Pfeiffer? We all like Pfeiffer? Michelle Pfeiffer. So I go in, and I'm trying to be a little fun before I sit down my iPhone and get my seven and a half minutes with her about what's it like shooting the family with Luc Besson. So I go in, and I try to be like, oh, I go, oh, look at this view. This is incredible. And it is an incredible view. So uh-huh. I'm kind of like going behind her and kind of looking at the view. I'm like, hey, that you could see all the way to the, the Hexer playground. You could see the whole thing here. It's so beautiful. And she's backlit, and it's quiet, and it's 4.30 p.m., end of the day, low energy. Okay. She needs an espresso. Uh-huh. So um, I say to her, oh, man, end of the day, we're almost done. Hey, it's so nice out. Maybe when you're done here, you can go take a walk in Central Park. It's so lovely. And she goes, I can't do that. I'm like, oh, what, do you got something to do? Come on. It's so beautiful. I'll go take a walk. And she goes, I can't walk in Central Park. I, I, I would be I would be recognized. Right. And it got so sad in there. Right. Like the like, mood is, I just love the idea of Jordan being like, take a walk outside. <laughs> Beautiful day. And she's like, I could never do that. Yeah. She, no, they would see me. It was, it wasn't like she was not kidding around. Her heart was shattering. Because all she wanted to do was walk inside. But then it's like did, Haley Joel Osment and AI talk about not being able to go in the pool. <laughs> but then don't you say to her, in in the story I tell people, well, then it, you're like, well, you could wear a baseball cap, right, sunglasses. Right. You start giving her advice, and she's like, they always recognize me. Like, <laughs> like, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I had heard this story before. It's so oh, funny. Such a yeah. moron. Just the idea of a, you, Pfeiffer's in like her 60s, and you're offering her notes on how to avoid like I can't hide these eyes. Yeah, right. I said something like, "There are no lenses said, big enough." Wear a, I said, "Wear a hood. <laughs> wear a hood. Wear a hat. Wear sunglasses." And I said, "New Yorkers are cool. They're gonna leave you alone." No. And she's like, "I can't do it." And like, and she was sobbing practically. Right. You had hit the the, the hardest nerve. Yes. Yeah. You had blown it. I I had ruined it. And then I'm like, "So, Luke Besson, what a visionary." <laughs> she's like, "No, he seems like a weird piece of shit." Here's a point I want to make about Yancel that I've been attempting to make for 15 minutes. Please go ahead. You were saying it's 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 a, a cheesy movie. Yeah, but or I, sentimental, I liked, whatever. But yeah. I do think tonally, I mean, we're talking about this sort of odd picture book version of this story, right? Where, like, the music, which is mostly interior monologue. Almost entirely. If, it, if she is singing it on screen, she's singing it to, to no to one else on screen. Yeah. Yes. And she's the only character who sings. She sure which is. Which is a very interesting take. And a thing that you watch this and you go like, huh, that's not a device other movies I was about use. To say, are there movies that do that? But it's a really interesting storytelling no, device. It is. It shouldn't really work. No. But okay, what's your point? Sorry. 
But I do think there's something to, as much as she's saying, I I didn't want to make the Polanski Macbeth version of this movie. This film does feel like it exists in a, a grittier, more visceral world than a lot of other musicals, a lot of other oh, yeah. films in this sort of fable pitch. You watch the opening of this and it does have that kind of like heaven's gate like holy shit they had to build a whole fucking right. town yeah, a lot yeah. of money this is on like screen endless, quickly right? yeah a lot yes. of horses and carriages and you right. could you could uh, like a circumcision just takes a little bit off the top yeah you could turn this into a non-musical in, in just a few cuts and this is not a good example right i'm <laughs> not a good comparison All producers point. are like moles yeah, yes. yeah, yeah okay yeah. this is not a good comparison point but i think often movies that are this aggressively earnest especially when they involve like they are musicals, but they're not musical comedies. There's nothing to kind of undercut it. They, like, protect themselves from the earnestness by going all the way in and going, like, we're going so big. We're pitching to the cheap seats. Mm. We're right. going so, like, Embrace the unreality. Like, yes. the, like the, the Greatest Showman or something. Like greatest that, Showman is know. the exact example I was That's about it. to throw out where you watch that movie and you're like, I can't handle this fucking thing. And it wears you down. But even when it wears you down, you're like, I mean, but this is, like, corny cheese ball bullshit. Yeah, you love it. All the emotions are pitched at a 20, right? Yeah. And I do think there's like this weird, this film is aggressively, nakedly earnest, but it is doing so in a very kind of like focused, serious-minded way. Even when it's doing the sort of like comedy of misunderstandings, it's pitched at like a pretty low decibel where there's such a confidence yeah. to this movie not going for bigger sweeping numbers, Dancing. bigger crying scenes, yeah, sure, sure, bigger sure. comedy of misunderstanding, hijinks yeah. shit, where you're just like, she was so committed to making this the exact way she wanted to, to the point where she she avoided making the version of the film that maybe would have been a little more accessible to audiences in the emotions being a little bit louder. Yeah, if she had pitched... In 1969 or whatever, like right. it's a full blown musical with dancing. Yes, I'm the star. Yeah, yes. and it's and it's a and it's a some like it hot comedy. But right. no, she wanted to make a film about sexism and Judaism, yes. and she like takes yeah. the themes of it very seriously. She takes the emotions of the characters very seriously. Yes. She takes the chemistry between them and their longing and their feelings, them wrestling with it very seriously. And for how much this movie does, or at least for a long time, did have a reputation as like this very bizarre, silly vanity project. How do they ever make that as a movie? You watch it now, and it's so much less silly than you would imagine it being. Right. I, yeah. you're, you're totally right. Yes. For it, how much she's a, not trying to, like, make it a kitchen sink drama, and also, like, she understands the right amount of cheese to put in there. The quote-unquote silliness is more, yeah, What how you would describe the movie to someone. Yeah, right. the it fact feels, that it exists at all, that she's a 40-year-old, right. and she's trying to play a young girl. Um, but It feels th like on the level. It's like the way. most sober version of these elements put together you could imagine. <laughs> in yeah, a certain, not, like, there right. aren't too many shots, like, of herself looking... You know, there aren't like, like she makes herself look, I don't want to say she makes herself look unglamorous because Barbara would never do that. It's a big thing in the but, dossier. She obviously needs to achieve a very specific look in this yeah. movie. She, and she makes herself the schlemiel. She's the butt of the joke, yes. but still is Barbara. Both Streisand and Amy Irving said that she kind of transferred all that energy over to Amy Irving, mm. where she was just like, well, this is a movie where I can't be too worried about if I look beautiful because I need to look in a very specific way. Yeah. And she was like, she would 
would just fuss over Amy Irving incessantly, which Amy Irving loved because she was just like, I've never gotten this much sort of like hands-on attention from a director. And then said that basically transmuted into me being like, I feel like I'm in love with her. Yeah. So like she's fostering an energy that actually translates into the chemistry of the movie. Yeah. Of Barbara just being like, you're my little doll. I'm going to light you perfectly. I'm going to make you up perfectly. I'm going to, like, wait on you hand and foot. Yeah. No, I mean, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't. And the first time I saw this movie, I was watching it thinking I was about to watch a movie that famously didn't work. Right. I thought of this as a film that, like, yes, it did reasonably well because Barbara Streisand is famous, Mm -hmm. but it's a bit of a sort of, like, Especially us as Jews are sort of like, ugh, Yentl. I mean, Jesus right. Christ. Yeah, like, it's a little know, bit of an inside Right, like, hey, baby, you know. And then I watch it, and look, you read Pauline. Have you ever read Pauline Kael's review of this film? Yes. Uh, you know, she was she was a very, she was very pro-Streisand generally. Mm-hmm. But she was sort of on what worked about this movie in a way that I feel like few critics at the time were. I feel like critics at the time were mostly dismissive of you. It a was little, pretty yeah. dismissive. I mean, it was beloved by some, but it was still dismissed. She's basically like, the movie's funny, it's delicate, and it's intense. Delicate's like, a really good word. It shouldn't be able to do all those yes. things at the same time, especially given that it's this kind of like glowing period piece, right? right. Like it's not some work of realism or whatever. And like, you know, this the, the keeping of the balance is why Yentl works. And it's why Patinkin can yell. Yes. Like, because that feels of a piece with his character. And the movie feels able to sort of switch balances without it, like, fucking anything up, if that makes sense. Which, like, look, we'll get to it next week. But, like, Prince of Tides for me is a movie that I find fascinating, but I don't think totally nails the balance of everything it's trying to do. Whereas this movie, I'm like, this is an even more difficult balance. And, yeah. like, delicate is the word where I'm like, At, she's able Prince, to hold you're right. all these Prince things. of Tides, when it switches plots, you're like, <laughs> hold on. You right. know, and it keeps doing that, and you never quite... But like, And you have performances in totally her, different keys her and Her grasp tones. on Yentl, yeah. as someone who had obviously been trying to make the movie for so damn long, feels more secure. Yes. In Prince of Tides, it more feels like she's barging into someone else's movie, but kind of in a fun way. Do you we'll know this about. thing about her editing process? Mm, I don't know. So this is like a, a point in time where you're still cutting on film, which means you're not able to sort of be like, let's try like four different versions of a scene and like save them as different files on Final Cut, you know, and then go back and forth and see which one looks better. You have to physically tape the things together. So in order to try a different version, you have to physically dismantle it. And she would set up home video cameras in the editing suite so they would construct a scene or an entire you know, like work Real. print of the movie yeah, right, yeah. in one way, film it, and then be like, great, deconstruct it, try something new. Right. So that she would have these like editing records of all the different versions wow. because she is very detail-oriented, very meticulous, meticulous, but was just like, I won't know if I found what I'm looking for until I see 40 different versions of it. And I'm trying to like get myself out of the first instinct of it. Wow. And this feels like a movie where like, yeah, at times Prince of Tides feels like maybe not all of these things are harmonizing. Right, but they might have gotten no. there eventually. Maybe. Right. I, 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 like I, I also movie. kind of like how I like I too. it it's, for its atonal yes. quality. But this is a movie where you're just like, she somehow got the balance right on fucking everything. Another thing I really like about Yentl is, is this sort of... Um, is how good she is devoted she is to her studies. Yes, and also just <laughs> the fact that it's uh, it, it does seem a little bit magical realism. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's a contained world. They only meet Jews, 
Yes. There's no Gentiles. Yes. In the, like when they stop at the at the first scene, she leaves her little shtetl and goes to the city and stops to get lunch and she meets a bunch of rabbinical students. Like there's there's no there's no Cossack like in Fiddler on the Roof, they, right. there's always the Cossacks. Oh, fucking Cossacks. That are and in American trouble, Tale, except they're cats. Except they're yeah. cats. And yeah. but there's I thought no, there were no cats in America. No, there's they're none in of, fucking the start of the movie. <laughs> there's no um I don't even want to call it a threat, just yeah. just to pierce yeah, the it, bubble. It, this it's is a not... totally con- it's a totally um a locked system. Well, and also and... you think about like you know uh, some like it hot Mulan, uh, uh, Tootsie, the other one I'm fucking forgetting. Uh, Victor Victoria to a certain extent. <laughs> oh, you mean gen- sort of gender bending? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. But a lot of those, there's this aspect of like the person becomes such an important figure that there are the interpersonal relationships that are going to be damaged when the truth comes out. But also, like, there's a giant house of cards that has gotten out of control that's going to collapse, right? And this movie, the stakes basically stay within this triangle. I love yeah. triangle. By yeah, and yeah, large, yeah. there's not the like. Oh, a TV show is going to get canceled. They're going to lose the war. Yeah, no, you know? the, the village will move on after the scandal is done. It's right. not a big deal. It's a big deal to them. Yeah. But it's it's, it's a big deal to a handful of people. One yes. more thing from Pauline Kael's review. Please. She says when Streisand is playing a yeshiva boy, she's a wonderful, giddy little shrimp. I mean, I like that. And I wish someone would say that about me. (laughs) You are a wonderful, giddy little shrimp. David, thank you. That's the kindest thing that's ever been said to me. I've been waiting my whole life to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful, giddy little shrimp. It's a shellfish. It's not kosher. Um, The the scene when they go, they go to get like cinnamon buns or something at one point in the movie. It's during a montage. They go to Cinnabon. Yeah, they go to Cinnabon. They go to the Mall of America. They go to Newark. (laughs) The Prague Prague Cinnabon. Yeah. It's just a great little, like you say, the wonderful little shrimp. I mean, there's a scene of her just looking so, it's, Amador's like I love this this my new I, best pal. It's yeah. also like my little brother. You know, I like, have sure. no objection to her in the role as Yenta. Like like I truly doesn't bother no, me in the slightest. No, and I think she also creates a film world around her where you absolutely buy everyone accepts her as this person. Patinkin being this fucking unit helps. Yes. Like this, just like <laughs> overflowing with energy, masculine energy, yeah. like hairy and just like you know, it, it's towering over her. Like that's a it helps emphasize her sort of. Youth, you know, well, and also, relative. by the way, I'll make sure we post this clip on our social media when the episode comes out. But the clip I'm talking about that's her directing Patinkin mid scene, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I reduced it, made it sound like it's her just saying, like, tone it down, right? But she's really trying to like harness his energy and just redirect it in different ways. And she's going line by line. And the vibe I've gotten from hearing about other actors working with her is like, when she's directing a performance internally within a scene, within a take, it's just by the choices she's making as an actor against them. She's not usually in the middle of a scene breaking reality down and noting them. Mm -hmm. But I also think maybe that's the way with the nature of the relationship and the dynamic as it had been set up with Potemkin at that point there needed to be that needling in order to get the thing flowing. Right, it, it feeds the performance. But in it's don't most ways. actors hate being yes. directed, let alone by your scene partner? Correct. Like, it's amazing that he didn't storm no. off the set. There's a category of people like fucking David O. Russell, who's famous for doing that yeah, yeah. during every take, sure. right? Yeah. Well, but but there's, really chill, to though. some degree, yes, there's something Barbara understood about, like, much like these two characters together, the tension, the combativeness is, is kind of the juice yeah. that needs to be harnessed. And her direction of him is is sort of just saying, like, it, it's less of the anger, it's more of this, you know? Like, like amp- amplify this a little bit. Like, when is it aggressive and when is it defensive and when is yeah. it whatever? She's not telling him the way he's doing is wrong, but she's sort of trying to do, like, energy shifting. 
And there's the quote in here in the dossier. Let me find it. So she, like 10, 20 years later, he's got an album and he asked her to write the liner notes for the back of the oh, album. Oh, the Mama Lotion album. Yes, I think so, right? <laughs> I was not going to say that that quickly. Well, it might have been not. Maybe it's not Mama yes. Lotion, but uh, um, it's a hell of a record. But he asked her to write the notes for the back cover of the album, and she responds, Mandy, you can't, you put me through hell. I can't write these notes for you. I'm sorry, but I just can't do it. Why did you give me such a hard time? And he said, well, I was scared. Really? And then her line is, Barbara, I mean, in the book, I guess people have different ways of reacting to fear. Yes. I was scared too, but it made me quieter. I listened more intently, but it was nice to hear the truth finally. And I said, I didn't know you were scared because you hit it so well. And then you were so rude to everybody. <laughs> but I do think that's such a nice like encapsulation of what makes their energy in this film so interesting is as much as Barbara is like thought of as being a diva, you don't hear her stories about like screaming, no, stomping, throwing, throwing shit. Sure. No, it's no, just no, no, meticulous no. obsessiveness, yeah, control. And she is like she was on Stern recently, did a really fucking good interview with him. And she was saying, like, I'm so lazy. And he's like, what are you talking about? You're Barbara Streisand. And sure. she's like, it's the reason I've done less and less projects as the decades have gone on. I've worked fewer and fewer uh, on fewer and fewer things with more and more time in between each project. Because, like, if I'm in the work, I'm so deeply in the work. I have no throttle. And so when I'm not working, I really enjoy doing fucking nothing. <laughs> you know? She likes having ice cream with Jim Brown. Right. Whereas, like, Potemkin yeah. is very, like, yeah, is it's it's combative. For basically his whole yes. career. Um, so we need to just, anything else we want to say about Yentl before we play the box office game because we are running out of time. Oh, we're running low. Um, I think uh, but, like, I want to yeah. say it's a, it was sort of an hit important it from every movie, direction. Yeah. and I like it a lot. And I do think if anybody... I more meant any scenes in particular no, you'd just, thought about or, but yeah, but it is an important movie and I do like it a lot. That yeah, is I think it rolls. Noting. I feel like if anybody. It does kind of just rule. It kind of just rules. <laughs> Yentl just kind of rules. There might be people, I mean, if they've listened this far, they sure. probably have watched it, but there might be people who are fans of this podcast. Yeah. And listeners of this podcast are enlightened people, but there are people who might say, ah, oh, Yentl, that's that Barbara Streisand picture. Yeah. Who wants to see it? Go see this movie. It's really good. I highly recommend giving it a watch, even if you are not a musical person. And I know some of our listeners are allergic. But uh, I think this film is just different than what people think it is, where even if you don't like it, I think you will respect it more than you would imagine. Um. Yes. I think that it plays incredibly well now. Yeah. Maybe it was a cheesier time and it felt, I don't know. I don't know. what. what... Let's get into the awards legacy. Yeah, like the film comes out in November 1983. Mm -hmm. It was a success. Yeah. More than doubled its budget. Made about 40 million dom domestically. Mm -hmm. Got some good reviews. Pauline Kale probably the most. Mm -hmm. um, but It was in the top 20 highest grossing films of the year. Yes. Which uh, was a lower Maslin, bar at that time, but yeah. Maslin sort of slammed it in the Times and Streisand said that destroyed her. Well, now... Streisand's line was, I've spent 20 years thinking about this. How long did she spend thinking about my movie? Something That's like that. In a way, awesome. It also like makes me feel yeah, like I've picked the wrong career. I mean, um, look, like I kind of want to jump off a bridge when so, I hear that, but she's right. As we've mentioned several times, uh, Singer uh, is sort of publicly critical of the film, so yep. that's not really some helping. some haymakers in the press. Uh, which is, um, you know, uh, not great news. Um, but this is a movie people have their knives out for and are like, this is going to be your folly. We're going to enjoy watching her stumble. And then the Globes welcome it really warmly. Now, the Globes, an upstanding organization with perfect taste. 
yeah. a lot of integrity. So they they gave it best musical comedy picture, and they gave her best director. She won best director. She was the uh, first that woman happens. Go ahead to win the Golden Globe for best director, and it right. felt like a statement of the Globes are doing this to set a precedent of her being taken seriously for the rest of this season. We're going to have a woman. At this point, Lena Wertmuller is the only woman who has been nominated. Wow. Uh, correct. There's they not dissed, another one until um, Jane Campion. They dissed uh, Lenny Reifenstahl, huh? That's terrible. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, Sofia Coppola. That's what later. That's later. That's, she was not oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First Jane Campion. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, realize yeah, you also, do you realize also that the Globes don't give their director trophy to Catherine Bigelow? No. Who did they give it to? Cameron. Sure. Well, so it's Barbara wins, and then there isn't another woman winning until Chloe Zhao. Globes are a great organization. Perfect um, organization. So, yes. So she wins those Globes in January 1984. February 1984, the film just gets five Oscar nominations, uh-huh. none for Barbara Streisand. Um, and, uh, you know, she says it showed the sexism. It's so transparent. I would say it's more transparent with Prince of Tides, but then I also rant on that episode as I remember about like, look, there's five slots. This is hard. What's you know? more transparent on Prince of Tides only because they giving it best picture. Welcomed like, that know. movie so warmly right. in all other areas. Yeah, Billy I, Crystal made a nice joke. He did. About well, that. he Wait, likes but, to make that joke. This is the better directorial achievement, though. If you're sure. singling oh, out what she nothing, did as a yeah, director, oh I would agree. Now I'm looking at the nominees. Uh-huh. Yeah, who got nominated? And this I'll is tell you who Brooks wins this year. James L. Brooks wins for Terms of Endearment. Uh-huh. Good, uh, good movie. Yeah. Uh, Mike Nichols for Silkwood. Good movie, um, but he's probably already been nominated a bunch of times. He has, and that's not a Best Picture nominee, so he's sneaking in. Mm. Bruce Beresford for Tender Mercies. A movie uh, I movie. fucking love. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is a Best Picture nominee. Right. Uh, Peter Yates for The Dresser, another Best Picture nominee. Okay. And Peter Yates is a good director. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't want to shit all over you can, Petey you here. Can but, Nick, uh, so far, we've got Nichols and Yates can both take a hike. And then uh, some fucking absolute hack called Ingmar Bergman for some piece of shit called Fanny and well, Alexander. So, well, I, all right. I love Tender Mercies, but like, Bar- Barbara being beaten to a slot by Bruce Beresford is a little odd considering her stature in the industry, although it does well, but feel I like think a some bit people of just a... didn't like this movie. Yes. Yeah. And what, also what a little won for, SmackDown. What won Best Director? James L. Brooks. Brooks wins. Uh, the, the two yeah. directors getting snubbed who are not Streisand, you know, the two Best Picture nominees that are not yeah. getting a director nom are um, big chill, uh, Larry Kasdan, mm-hmm. and uh, the right stuff, Philip Kaufman, which is kind of a uh, crazy I didn't get a nomination. I mean, Philip both got snubbed. I gotta say, I mean, the right stuff is like probably a just very as good as well just as good film. as Yentl. Jesus, yeah. the right stuff is a masterpiece. The right stuff is a masterpiece. Big Chill is more the kind of movie that gets snubbed right. for director because it's and right stuff was like, such ah, this is all talk. A big know. financial why did finance because Larry's Larry back. financial bomb. No, but that movie bombed so hard they probably were like well that's not over praise it with the oscar didn't clear the Possibly. tower yeah. i mean um, it's, it's, i, I want to just quickly I, I think actually the right stuff is actually better than yentl apples and oranges there are better films in 1983 that is a weird best director category considering yeah, the movie peter yates and nickel i mean my nickels i love my well, nickels yeah. but for yeah, silkwood yates, nickels and beresford are all kind well, of soft Be- nominees beresford i would keep that's a great movie. I'm it's just movie. surprised, sure. especially because he then gets snubbed for Drive Miss Daisy. It's not like he himself was like a Hollywood favorite. No. Even at his what most was his successful big hit period. before Tender Mercy? Breaker Moran? Yeah. Breaker Moran. Yeah, that was a good movie. Um, good of course, eventually he made Mr. Church, which is based on a true friendship. It is. It's one of the um, only movies. Uh, let's see the box office game. Okay. 
November 18th, 1983. The film's opening limited, 13 mm-hmm. screens. One of them, the Ziegfeld. Oh. You know how I know this? Because my mother and father went opening weekend. It would have been amazing. Sense. I didn't it probably would have oh, been. Oh, my God. And apparently it was all, you know, second wave feminist yeah. Jews going <laughs> out of their skulls. Telling each other to be nice. <laughs> all right. My father tells um, the story. And, well, I shouldn't. I, <laughs> okay. So number one at the box office. Is I'll a, tell my Bette Midler story another time. You, you have will. me on for my sixth yeah. episode. Yeah. You'll for be the back boys. And, and we'll we'll put a pin in <laughs> Bette Midler. For the boys. Yeah, we're doing Mark Rydell next. Um, number one at the box office is a horror sequel. Uh-huh. Kind of a fun tagline. I want to tell you the tagline of this film. Warning. In this movie, you are the victim. That's a pretty aggro tagline. Is this tagline. a 3D sequel? It sure is. Is it the 3D mm-hmm. Jason? No. Uh, there there oh. was no 3D Freddy, right? No. No. no I don't believe 83? so. In this, you are the... It's not It's not Jaws 3D. No. Oh, jeez. Um, Fuck. What? what oh, God damn it. November 83. It's got a 3... 3D horror sequel. You are the victim this time. Is it like a slasher or is it like a force? It's a force. It's a force. Yeah. The poster's insane. What the hell? It's not a poltergeist. It's not. Is it Amityville oh, wait, 3D? It's yeah. Amityville 3D. Amityville 3D. Oh. The poster, which is just like the Amityville house, but there's like a fucking three-fingered claw reaching yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, never seen Amityville 3D. Richard Fleischer film. I like uh, Dick Fleischer. Famous, famous old Hollywood director. Yeah, he's great. He, is that uh, with Tony him? Roberts is in this one. Max. Because fucking Brolin took a hike at, at this point. <laughs> um... So, Amityville 3D, yeah, uh, wow. yeah, it's opening number one. It's, it's well, but it's, uh, like you say, the Yenta was a uh, limited, limited release. release. Okay, number two, I just mentioned it. Big uh, Best Picture nominee, terms, generational film. Nope. Oh, uh, Big Chill. Big Chill. Big Chill. Uh, you know big what? what, what the greatest thing about Big Chill mm. is that the movie just ends. It does. Sure. They just like. But it's do like, you it's know like they, why? They just ran out of film. I guess. No, they didn't. I, we talked about this recently. When were the we Costner talking about scene. this? Because we did. Was a we whole... did. A, uh, I love you to death. That That's fucking right. There's a whole Costner coda where you were going to finally oh, see Costner. Yeah. And the whole last ten minutes of the movie was going to be like flashing back. Oh. And Kazan thought it didn't work, and so the movie does kind of just end. They just didn't shoot an alternate yeah, ending yeah. when they cut that out. But when you watch it, you're like, yeah, it works. I, I like it. It does you know, work, but it, it is abrupt. It, it works, and even though it's '83, it's a very sad. 70s end mm. the movie just and they're having oatmeal and it's just like yeah, yeah and then it's cool. over um number three at the box office oatmeal with raisins uh-huh. is new this week uh it is a beloved cult classic uh family film i've never seen this goonies film. no i've seen that piece of shit that was that was, that was it's not a piece of shit but 83 is fine. fine it's not very good family film 1983 beloved cult classic family film that you haven't seen yeah. it's one of those american movies that is sort of like Oh, uh, Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. Yeah. Oh, Bob Clark's wow, Christmas that's kind of wild you haven't seen it. Oh, you should see it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very I've funny. Never seen it. I, I, I know it's got a little boy with glasses. Yeah, I think cute. it genuinely is good. You you do have to work a little bit to get past the meme-ness of it now, right. which is a problem the culture, not yeah. of the movie. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Obviously becomes a sort of cable And classic. also that, yeah. that was a movie that... that um, only became famous because people would watch it from the, the, the 40 minute mark to the 62 right. minute mark and yes, then go yes. but see it is it a movie and... where every isolated scene is entertaining it's very it funny. works playing on TBS or TNT whatever 24 right. hours a day because it's yeah. like every bit of this is it's episodic it's yeah. it's like Amarcord it's funny it's like Radio Days it's yeah. like Apollo 10 and a half a space age my review of Christmas Jesus, Story is, it's, it's like Amarcord with less titties um, but a leg fewer titties but a leg but a leg yeah. uh, but Bob, a leg Bob Clark 
Bob Clark. Oh, the Black Christmas One of the guy. weirdest Canadian. directing careers ever. Yeah. Uh, number four at the box office. It is a franchise film, but it's outside the franchise. How oh, do you describe this film? Season no, of it's oh, not that good movie, shit. though. Uh, it's a it's movie. a Pink Panther. Nope. Fuck. What other franchises fit into what he just said? Let me think. It's a franchise film, but it's... Oh, oh, Never Say Never Again. Never yeah. Say Never Again. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. Sean Connery is back and his toupee is better than ever and uh-huh. Never Say Never Again, directed by Irvin Kershner. Oh. Yeah. Not very good. No. Irvin Kershner. Is, she, she, he worked with Barbara. Is that the one that Telly Savalas... No, it's Max von Sydow is in that one. Klaus yes. Maria Brandauer. Yeah, well, he... Yeah, okay. Anyway, look. Someone plays <laughs> Blofeld and I can't remember who. Wow. All right. Number five at the box office. I can't say I know this film. Mm. Uh, it was a it was a bomb. Okay, it's well known for including Brian Adams's hit single "Heaven" as part of the soundtrack. Looks like it's a dancing movie. Uh, it's it's like, a, like "Baby, It's Hard to Believe in Heaven." I that mean, song? that's yes, and and "Heaven" is part oh, of the title of this film. Oh, it's John G. Avildsen. It's not called "Just Like Heaven." No, that's another film. With, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, but I, that title could have been used a couple like I times. I should know this. I don't know. It's, a, it's an Avelson. The stars Heaven are Christopher Atkins, okay. best known from the Blue Lagoon, of course, yeah. and Leslie Ann Warren. On the other side room. of heaven? A Night in Heaven. Okay. Never would have gotten that. No. Uh, uh, opening hey. at number five. You've also got Leslie Ann Warren. Warren, a babe. Uh, Warren. You've also got All the Right Moves. Married to John Peters. Yes, all the it right all moves. All comes back to God. All the right moves. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah, you've got Richard Pryor's concert film Here and Now. Sure. Uh, oh, you've God, got yeah. uh, the Smurfs and the Magic Flute. I hell feel like we've talked yeah. about that before. That's like the future. You're saying length. hell yeah to that. The famous tune hater Jordan Hoff. <laughs> Smurfs are you like Smurfs. Uh, Smurfs you get like a pass. the Smurfs? The Smurfs get a pass. The Smurfs you've are great. got uh, Deal of the Century. Really uh, strange sort of that movie is terrible. Film. It's but a very, very weird movie. Yeah. Uh, and you've bizarre. got the uh, fucking pure ass masterpiece, The Dead Zone. That movie rocks. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> another round of applause. Yeah. For you did it, Carney. Some might say that's the best Stephen King out of Well, The, the Shining. Some say that. Shining, Carrie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the top. Dreamcatcher. I think it's in the top five. <laughs> it's up there. I think it's, it's in the top five. Five. I watched that not bonds. long ago. Um, and it's that That's the movie where Christopher Walken became Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And also, he's ice tilting. Yeah. is going to break <laughs> with the cane, and he smashes the glass swans. The ice right. is gonna going to break. on SNL to promote that film is the other thing that finally makes oh, him. Oh, there you go. He does Ed Glosser Trivial Psychic, sure, which is a sketch the... riffing on Dead Zone that oh. starts the memification of yeah. walking. Yeah, yeah, prior to that, he was just a, a he good was a, actor. A, a talented yeah. Oscar winning character yeah. actor. Yeah. Yeah. And Who's then... the most serious actor alive? <laughs> playing the most haunted people. All right, that was Yentl. Yeah. Jordan's got to go see Wish. I got a wish. Yeah. I I've bet got... you're going to love it. Uh, yeah. I would prefer if I was going to see the rock band Fish. Uh, oh, sure. But instead, no, I'm going no. to see the Walt Disney picture. I'm sure wish. you're going to do that soon. Here's, I... here's my Who's prediction. Who's in Wish? I mean, it's a cartoon. Nobody's know. in it. We're done. Academy Award winner Ariana DeBose, I'm ready Chris Pine, and Alan Tudyk. It's the uh, origin story of the famous wishing star that's run across the history of Disney pictures. Really? Is it, it's a yep. It's a Disney um, internal. The star falls IP? out of the sky, and that's they have absurd. to. Yep. You know, la- ladies and gentlemen in the audience, uh-huh. Griffin H. Newman mm-hmm. was invited to see Wish with me this evening. Yeah. And he was gonna come. Yes. And right before we started recording, yeah, he said, uh, What's "Jordan, doing I'm busy. I don't want to go." Check. 
for this oh, studio. writing the check. He's, he's, he's making, writing a check to Hoffman. He's making a check not blank. It's making a That's not very blank true. check is what he's doing. Um, Grissom, I said I'm probably, I, you know, I said 50% chance I get asked to take my little cousins to this. There's no way I want to see this movie two times. David Sims earlier uh, uh, um, alluded to the fact that I've seen him, today's a Wednesday we're mm-hmm. recording. I've seen him every day this work week. I've seen wow. David on a Monday. I've seen David on a Tuesday. I've seen David on a Wednesday. David, if you want to meet up tomorrow, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy too. But Griffin, I see once every 11 months. Well, it's been six months, you said. I feel like I'd seen you more recently. I've texted you a couple <laughs> times. I want to get lunch. That's the thing. We keep saying, let's do lunch. Okay. Let's do lunch. You around next week? Uh, no, it's the Thanksgiving week. Oh, next well, week. And that was my one good yeah, week. <laughs> Booked up. Actually, I might be free Wednesday. Who's, well, who's busy Wednesday before Thanksgiving? And I say to you, let's get one, lunch next Wednesday. We're certainly not recording. What kind of food do you want? We'll get some matzo ball soup. Where's the diner in your neighborhood? Oh, oh my, my god. god, Neptune! Wrap this episode up. I gotta go. Go to the. I swear but, to God, you're making diner plans the on ne- the Neptune Diner. Yeah, let's go to the Neptune. You don't need a rocket to get there. Hey, the Neptune Diner in Astoria is fabulous. Let's do it. All right, they don't have matzo ball though. They have um red the ch- chowder. The chicken noodle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fine. All right, that's gonna be yeah. great. Great, it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, I, I'm not seeing Wish tonight. Here's no. my prediction. Two yeah. hours from now, we'll get a text from Jordan, <laughs> all caps saying, should have had Smurfs in it. <laughs> you know, Blank Check with Griffin and David mm. is a great podcast. Well, thank you. I know I listen, and it's Too been kind. a thrill to be on here. Plugging our own podcast. <laughs> I'm going to say it's been a great time to be on. I'm always a fan. You know, once in, uh, once every like before I come on the show, sure. I'm reminded that you guys have um, what you call it a Reddit, right? You got kids oh, in the Reddit. Don't Jesus. remind us. Don't no, no. encourage. So them. I go in there and I I put my name in the search. Sure. The, you, the, I've got two fans. Mm. Very vocal. Yes, I know. I know the people. Yes, like, there's like two Hoffman boosters, and I'm sure. not. I don't know them personally. No, no, I hope no, they're, no. they're like, but like frothing. When's he coming back? Crickets from most of your, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of your fans, are, you know, don't want to get involved. It's a refined taste. It's a refined <laughs> taste. It's for the refined palate. <laughs> uh, but no, those you're, two guys, you're a Hall of Fame guests. Oh, listen to that. And David's um, taking a shit. David is well. He was aware there's so much toilet paper. Is it really more in that cabinet? <laughs> yeah. Over there? Ben, do you want to just slide open just so visual. Jordan can see? Do the visual. The visual. I'm not exaggerating here. You see poking out there, right I there. See a cot. Who do you do you bring girls up here? What's going no, on? No, no. Don't even. <laughs> it's a folding chair. It's not a cot. Look at that. It's amazing. Yeah. It's another 30 mega rolls, which wow. means it's the equivalent of 120 rolls. $50. I spent 50 American dollars on toilet paper. That will last us two weeks. That's the IMAX of toilet paper. That's the IMAX of toilet paper. Wow. Jordan, is there anything you want to plug that isn't our podcast, the one you're on right now? (laughs) I mean, listen, we're all just getting by in the world. We are. Yeah. You know, I I, I write about movies. I try to live my life. I try to live. You were the one with the heart out, my friend. I have to leave right now, but I say I try, to I try to leave. I try to live a righteous life. Yes. Good. I I love my wife. Wow. And I love my friends, and in all sincerity, uh, I joke around with David sometimes. Mm. He's a pretty good guy. I joke around with you, okay. Griffin. Ben, not the typical Ben. This is a Ben Prime today. My first ben time Prime. meeting Ben Prime. Very nice to meet you, and to the listeners out there. Thanks for everything. Jordan, you're a mensch. Bye. A round of applause for Jordan Hoffman. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, David is getting into his car and driving away. He has his car parked in the studio. We didn't even make a joke about this movie being shot in Czechoslovakia. We mentioned that it was, but yes, the Czech Republic. Blank, I mean, eventually. Blank Czech Republic. Yeah. 
Uh, David jacket is on, bag is on. Jordan's adding layers. Uh, ben, Ben Frisch, thank you for filling in again. My pleasure. Thank uh, you, man. Doing us a real solid. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for being our associate producer on this podcast. Thank you to Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our artwork. JJ Birch for making it through all 900 pages of the Barbara uh, uh, memoir in time for these episodes. Uh, thank you to AJ McKeon, uh, Alex Barron for our editing. You give me the hurried up oh, signal. I gotta thank everybody. I said them. Lay Montgomery, the Great American Novel for our theme song. Go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including Blank Check special features. Uh, our Patreon, where we do film series. Terminator. Terminator. Dun, 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 dun. Tune in next week for Prince of Tides. We already recorded it. Katie's on it. The Queen of the Carolinas. And as always, Jordan is currently using yet another roll of toilet paper. 